Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome back to the Run.Down postgame show here on the Strickland YouTube channel. If you listen to this the day after Strickland Podcast Network, Knicks lose to the Orlando Magic 117 to 108 on the road, bringing their road trip to 0-2 so far after the loss to the Orlando, um, Orlando Magic and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, before we get started into all this good stuff, all the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news from pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um... Pretty brutal game, pretty brutal road trip so far, I would say. Um, a lot to get into. Um, do we want to start on the positives? Because I feel like there are a lot of negatives to get into. So do we want to get the positives out of the way first? or? Yeah, I mean, there, there's really only one positive, in my opinion, that's Randall. Like, I thought quickly it was okay, but um, mm-hmm. his defense was a little spotty. And uh, look, I mean, two of those misses he had were basically makes like i know people say that but like they fucking toilet bowled around the hoop and it, all of a sudden his offensive game looks a lot better if one or two of those goes in but i think julius randall was the overwhelming positive from this game i thought that i can count on my hands the number of times i've seen julius randall like that spent at the end of a game i thought he left it all out there i thought he embraced being center and was he perfect as the center of course not he's never going to be but he switched uh he got you know he got got by mo wagner the first time it was a really weird switch he didn't um, really get got he just decided that he had to like he had to go for the steal for some reason he yeah said, i have to do this right now and mo was like i'm going to go by you right now then yeah i, I didn't mean like he got like yeah no, i know like, yeah. <laughs> i just meant for possession um but yeah i just thought randall was so awesome um we always spend so much time like micro analyzing randall's uh performance his effort yada yada but like he deserved better from every one of his teammates tonight and i thought that he was fantastic um yeah i don't have much more to say there's four of us on here so i'll let other people especially tyrese give their thoughts but i thought randall was excellent um yeah i thought randall was really really good uh i thought I mean, I, this sounds really stupid because I agree with you. I don't like it's just funny that, again, like at the end of the game, what I think is it quickly and hard. I mean, I know Taj was a plus, but like, give me a break. He was terrible in this game. And I don't blame him. It's just like it's what he is at this point. Um, but like quickly and hard end up being a positive again. And it's just funny because like I really don't think either of them played some particularly awesome game. But that's just like that. And that's literally the point. That is actually the point that like those guys just do shit and help things work that they can over like Brunson was not good today. I thought Brunson had a really bad game. Um, like, okay. See, I thought this Tyree stop typing furiously. Um, like I, I thought Brunson had a, I thought this was one of his worst games this season since he's like kind of gotten his shooting back together. And I don't think it was just that the length, I yes, the length bothered him. I also think he allowed the length to bother him because of how what his approach was today. Pause. Um, what? What did he say? Pause. Um, okay. And 
I just, I don't know. I, I was like very confused by his entire approach. Honestly, the entire game, like even in the fourth quarter when they go small, I'm just like, okay, I get, I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, it's like he was proving a point to like, he can like finish over all the trees and the paint and stuff like that. That's fine. I I don't even think like, fine. If he wants to prove that point, go go for it. But like, (laughs) you're going five out, you're down like 10 points at various points. Like you need threes, dude. We can't just be chasing twos the entire time. Um, That was really frustrating. And I just thought his decision-making was like, he had that one pass to Julius in the first half where I was like, dude, what the fuck was that? Uh, he threw it to him like kind of on the sideline. And I, I don't remember who it was, but it was like, might have been Franz, who just kind of like walked and stole the ball. And they got automatic two points. So I thought Brunson was terrible. And um, it's just funny, though, that like those two guys end up being pluses. But yeah, Julius was awesome. Um, he's the primary reason they were in this game. And um honestly i will say this i really really wish they had taken the ball out of brunson's hands in that like when randall came back in in that second quarter they had an opportunity to let him and iq get to work in two-man game and they didn't do it and that's how they got back into the lead at the end of the first quarter and if you watch back the fourth quarter when randall comes back in that's kind of how they found a little bit of an offensive rhythm and again, like this isn't about oh, quickly did amazing stuff. By the way, Bree and Wally, like, are you guys watching the game? They were so like, how how is Cole Anthony kind of constantly getting switched on to RJ and Randall? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because the fucking point guard is running screens to automatically draw that matchup and then feeds them the fucking ball. Like, are you watching the game? Are you you're sitting courtside? Are you watching the fucking game or on your phone taking fucking selfies or something? Like, what the hell? Like, how do you how are you so amazed by this? I couldn't, and it's like I just don't understand this stuff. I'm like, what, like, and I again, this is not me. Like, I could praise quickly for that, but I don't think that's even really praiseworthy to me. That's just like that to me. That's good point guard play on a night where maybe you don't feel it's like you have it. Yeah, but maybe you don't feel like you have it. And one, you're trying to get RJ going, and two, you know Randall's going, so let me get him out of mismatch. I just thought it was smart play, and um, I don't like again. Like, I don't think quickly played a great game. I just thought. He was making smart decisions when he had the ball, when he was running the offense. And he was getting the ball to guys in situations that were advantageous for them and allowing them to create. And I thought Brunson tonight was trying to make it the Brunson show, and it just was not the Brunson show tonight. Tonight was not the Brunson show. Tonight should have been the, holy shit, Julius is fucking big-boying these dudes in the paint. Like, get him the ball. That, 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 That was what the game was today. And he just didn't play that game today. And it was like... I think in a large part, uh, this loss is on him. I thought Tibbs, I don't know what the fuck that second quarter approach was. And it was clearly, and it was clearly dictated by Tibbs. Like you could watch him signaling, like they were throwing Hart the ball in the backcourt to bring it up, run these fucking sets. Um, I have no idea what that was about. I think if any other player other than Josh Hart had two of those turnovers he had in the second quarter, they would have gotten fucking pulled immediately. Cause they were like that one. Where he just looks off IQ, tries to throw some like hero ball fastball at Grimes in the corner that nobody's expecting. That was a ridiculous pass. It was terrible. There was no need for it. He can just pass to quickly, quickly can make the same pass, same effect. Um, it was it was just a bad turnover, and he had a couple of those in the second in the second quarter. And then I thought, um, look, uh the RJ thing is the RJ thing. Like, I thought he was he was as destructive as a player can be in the first half. And then in the second half, he comes out and, like, 
I don't know. Like the, the lead was ballooning, obviously, to start the third quarter. I actually didn't think he was terrible during that stretch, not to say he was great. And then in the fourth quarter, it's like he finds something, and all of a sudden, I mean, the one thing you could say uh, that is a positive takeaway for him for this game is, yes, the rebounding at the four is concerning, and yes, with him and Julius at the four and five, the rebounding is concerning. I thought his defense was like a lot better at the four than I've seen it at the three in a long, long time. And, and they I were get- hunting. They, 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 that was the matchup they wanted. It was whether he was on Franz or Paolo, they wanted the RJ matchup and he was up to the task for the most yeah, part. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, I, I guess, I thought he did a good job on them. Where I w- like, I just, I wish he would fucking get into a stance and fight more when guys are trying to back him down. I just feel like, he gives up ground so easily for somebody that's as strong as him. And I know Paolo's a strong dude, but like RJ's fucking strong as hell. And I just feel like he he plays positionally fine there, but he just doesn't fight enough in the post. But that being said, again, like I thought his defense was legit good down there. He got a horseshit call that go go against him on a key play that I don't want to say it swung. I don't think I want to say decided the game, but it was a massive swing in the game, right? That was like the 103 97. Brunson gets blocked. They come down. Paolo takes a layup. He clearly got stuffed on that shit clean or short armed it. I don't know. Whichever one. I think Harp got the rebound and they called the foul. It was not a foul. And and of course, the great MSG broadcast did not Never show us showed the replay. But they did show us the replay of Brunson getting blocked 15 fucking times so they could jerk off Goga fucking Batadze. <laughs> it was like he took like a massive injection of steroids before this game with the fucking like. What was he like? Ron Artest out there today? That was ridiculous. The fact that he like honestly that second that shouldn't have been a tech that should have been a second flagrant. He should have been ejected for that shit. That second one on Brunson that was a joke. Yeah, totally unnecessary. Yeah, that he, you threw a shoulder into his head, and he clearly did it intentionally. If that's not a fucking flagrant, like I don't know what is. Um, and the one the one on Hartenstein that's a, just a flat out. And he's done this shit. He did this shit maybe last year in a game in New York when he was still with the Pacers. I don't remember who was on. But he's a dirty player. Like, he does this fucking bullshit, uh, which is why maybe we should trade for him. But, like, he does do this bullshit. Um, and whatever. Like, they – I thought, yes, it's easy to say, well, they played physical and, like, you get the benefit of the doubt. The Knicks played fucking plenty physical. Like, they were in the paint the entire game. So this is not – like, I don't want to hear about, oh, well, they just set the tone. Like, yeah, the Knicks, the famously uh, unphysical team. Like, give me a break, dude. The refs – in that fourth quarter decided Orlando needed this game. And that was that, like, I, I don't know what that was. I, I didn't really have a problem with the officiating until that point in the game at all. Um, and, and I'll be honest, like I thought there were a lot of people bitching about the whistle in the OKC game. I had no problem with it. I thought that was a pretty evenly called game. I, we did the post game. We didn't even talk about the officiating after that. Um, so like, I, I just thought the fourth quarter today, look, were the Knicks going to win this game? Probably anyways? not. Probably not. But at least let them let me have do the a Mahomes. chance. Hey, let's do the Mahomes thing. You know, just let the players play, man. Let <laughs> the players play, dude. Come on, bro. Like, come on, man. Like, just let us play, bro. Let me and Mahomes just like let me and Kelsey just like fucking fucking fuck teams in the face every every play, whatever we want, bro. Fuck off, Mahomes and the Magic. <laughs> Tyrese, your thoughts? Oh, uh, Jeff, do you think Patrick Mahomes will uh, throw for over 250 yards this week? I don't even know who they play. Who they play again? Bengals. Uh, sure. 
Are we are we looking to bet that or something? Is that where, is that where, is that where we're no, I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying the Mahomes not being an automatic over two fifty yards guy every week. That is yeah, that that is that is weird. Uh somebody just said in the not in the chat, but responded to one of the Strickland tweets that apparently Tibbs went nuts in the post game. So I'll be interested to see. Good. That. He he should have. I mean, th- this was first of all, can I just say I like respect that Tibbs has the kind of like somehow has a self-control to never get ejected. But one fucking time, I would love to see him get ejected from a game and just like lose it and kind of like put the fucking focus of it on the refs because God knows the MSG broadcast will not do that. They will never do that. Mike Breen went with him and his fucking PBA card. We'll never blame the ref or the cops or anything. Um, it was like, I, honestly, like the fucking one they did call for Brunson after the two he didn't get. Wally's like, oh, I don't know. That looks like the Knicks had a real nice call there. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I know you're from Long Island. And like, <laughs> uh, donate, you know, every year when you get the automated phone call. But like, give me a break, dude. Like, like it's okay. Like, I'm not asking you guys to be mega homers. But there's just some stuff where it's like, dude, you're doing a Knicks game. Like, it's okay to just be like, yeah, that's a – like, you don't even need to comment on it. Be like, yep, that's a foul. Great. Like, move on with the fuck. Like, what are we doing here? I, I just it's, – it's been driving me nuts all season, and I feel like it's been getting worse since – It's like, been getting years. worse since Wally and Han took over the Clyde spot. Like, it's made it significantly worse for Breen. Breen's feeling more at home, I guess, with his... Because uh, the... Breen's a cop! <laughs> with his with his, his brothers in, in caucus. <laughs> the, the Blue Lives Matter uh, agenda... Blue, li- Blue Lives Matter Breen. That's what we're calling MSG it. is not very good right now. Mr. Dolan needs to look into that. Although, he maybe he's like, this is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Breen and Eric Adams are locked in. That's all I gotta say. Because <laughs> the way he commentates now, man, this impartial bullshit, it's like, dude, you're the voice of the Knicks. Be the voice of the Knicks. You're not doing a national game. I promise nobody, like, ESPN is not gonna dock your pay but, if you're a bit of a homer. <laughs> by the way, did, did you guys listen to, like, we're, we should probably talk about the game in a second, but did you guys listen to before tip off? Like, you know, like, whatever, they're just bullshitting before tip off, right? Mm hmm. Breen had this whole thing. It was so weird. He was like, you know, the thing about the NBA is you never know on any given night what you could see. You could see it. You could see history unfold. And who knows what we'll see tonight in this game. And I was like, dude, what is going on here? Like, that was God. that was so out of nowhere. I I, I <laughs> thought the same thing. For the game. <laughs> dude, dude, it was the was weirdest crazy. thing. I, I was just like, am I like, I was just like, am I watching like, is this, like NBA, is this the eight NBA on NBC from like 1994 or something? Like, are they doing a pregame like fucking promo? Like, is it was is like this, the, it was is like Vince McMahon cutting a promo right now? <laughs> is this like an Attitude Era promo right here? That's crazy. <laughs> if you smell the shrooms, I'm <laughs> oh man! All right, back to. Sadly, Knicks basketball. Jeff, you, you want to say something? I was going to say, I do. I did like Breen making fun of the players for calling for a challenge every play, every every play tonight. Like, that is one of the most annoying trends in the it league. It was pretty bizarre tonight. The, the, the finger thing. Like, the finger I, thing is so fucking annoying. And, I, and I, I the players like, do it all the I'd time. I like that he pointed that out, but you have to understand where his agenda is coming from. His agenda is, please stop questioning my beautiful, beautiful refs 
who are protecting the sanctity of America and look, our game. Don't you just yes. look, like, the ref is so tall. Wally, look, the ref is six eight. <laughs> you got you got see the right calls. You know he's right. You guys can get your jokes off and they're all good. <laughs> But one day Breen's gonna be gone, dude, and we're gonna be stuck with some fucking <laughs> asshole, some way bigger, um, like Wally and no. Allen. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just I'm I'm gonna appreciate Breen. Kenny Wally's Albert there. got us. I don't care. Kenny no, Albert, dude. Kenny Albert can that? hold. Look, look at that guy. <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter. I just gotta listen to him talk. <laughs> he is shaped like a cone. <laughs> so weird. Why it's like Mar. It's like Kenny it's like they here? try. It's like they tried cloning Marv and he got stuck in the machine or something. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, right, I don't. Back, I don't, back to the Knicks. Um, so this please. is this is. I don't know what the full context of what he said was, but Tom Thibodeau walked out of his post game press conference after voicing his frustration about non calls on Jalen Brunson's drives. The coach said he's been sending examples to the league. Those are fouls. I'm sick and tired of it. It's been nice. That's like a that'd been a nice throwing an F word there, you know? I think that, that would have <laughs> hit. I'm fucking sick and tired of it. Well or those are fucking fouls. I don't know. I think I think if he throws an F bomb in there, it's a little bit more You take him a little I'll, bit more I'll, serious. I'll send him some tape. I'll send him some tape to review of our post. There's also there's also to, there's also to me a problem with this. He's isolating the Jalen Brunson ones, which yes. Brunson got some missed calls on him, but he shot 12, he shot 12 free throws. Like yeah. the league's just going to be like, dude, shut up. He shot 12 free throws. Why not send in some Randall tape? Randall got slaughtered tonight. Randall's getting crushed all night tonight inside the paint. Why, why not send the one? I mean, the one that honestly, like, I know this is, I don't actually think this is that ridiculous. It's 113-108. Cole Anthony commits as blatant of a flagrant foul as you can commit. He yeah. literally smacks quickly in the face. That's a flagrant. They have the capacity to go review that. They can go review that even if it's not called in real time, I'm pretty sure. And to not review that, first of all, if that's a flagrant, that's two shots and possession right there. That's a three-point game potentially with the ball with 15 seconds left. And I think the Knicks still had one timeout. So maybe even if they didn't, it doesn't matter. You don't need to even go for a three. You can take a fucking two and send them to the line. They were not shooting free throws well. So you, like... I, I thought that was, you know, for, you can talk about whatever call you want. That call specifically was a joke. Like, it was, uh, he literally passes, like, as he's passing the ball, you can see him swing his right band, hand back. And I, I don't know. I just could not, I could not believe that. I could not believe that. And, um, yeah, I don't know. That was, that was bananas. That was, that's a huge play. I mean, again, that's, that's the play. You remember last year in game six? Fucking Gabe Vincent did that to Brunson right on the inbounds, where he fucking like elbowed him mm-hmm. on the inbounds. They ended up having to call a flagrant, give possession of it. So they, we got two free throws and possession. We scored, and I think that either tied the game or made it, whatever it was. But it completely changed the end of that game. You had a chance to complete, like potentially, that's a get out of jail free card, right? And like say what you want, I promise you, if that's Julius Randle, they're reviewing that. If Julius Randle does the same exact thing Cole Anthony did, they're 100% immediately either calling him for a foul or reviewing it. That was a terrible missed call. The ref was right there, too. You cannot miss that call. That is that is as obvious as it gets. It is they, as they showed they, they showed the back view and like or the the view from the magic side of the court. And you see the ref standing right there on near the inbound. Yeah. Like you, you got the long view. 
and quickly goes down and he's literally just looking at it like it was very very strange yeah i don't know that it was a it, that fourth quarter was just a horribly efficient quarter um to get back to basketball uh I, also like look man i'm happy tibbs went small i think he put randall at the five end with like what 530 left or something in the game um something like that the DiVincenzo thing, like, look, he had, like, I, I think DiVincenzo has been playing very well offensively for sure lately. Him staying in that third quarter, as long as he did, was insane. Like, actually insane. The fact that he came back out with Taj at any point in the second <laughs> half was also insane. It should have been Randall at the five, come back with Hartenstein, close the Randall at the five if you want. Um, Grimes should have gotten more minutes in this Too game. Too much staggering for him. Come on. Yeah, Grimes Grimes should have played more of the last two games, by the way. Like, he got pulled in the first half, basically, because he missed two threes that you absolutely want him taking. Like, if he doesn't take the threes he took, <coughs> I would want him off the floor. He took good threes. His defense, I'm not saying it's game. Cha- it was game-changing, but there's a reason why they came in. Those, like, Brunson, or not, sorry, Brunson. IQ, Hart, uh, Grimes, they came in, I think, with, I think Grimes came in with 2.30 left in the first quarter and they made like a 9-0 run to close that quarter with Julius on with them. Um, like, because Julius plus good defense was enough. And I just thought Grimes needed to play more tonight. I thought he deserved more minutes. Um, and I think you could have pulled, obviously, more minutes from RJ in the first half, more minutes from DiVincenzo in the first half. Um, and 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 definitely DiVincenzo in the second, in the in the third quarter. And Honestly, probably RJ even some of the third quarter. Although, again, like I didn't think he was terrible in the second half. Um, and I thought the fourth quarter was pretty good. But like, I think the real frustration is with RJ where it's like, man, like at some point, can we just get a four quarter performance? Like, how long has it been since we got a four quarter performance from RJ Barrett? It's just been too long. Like, it's, it's been a long and, time. And, and I mean, like with, with, with RJ, the bigger thing is just such a high percentage of his impact comes from what he does with the ball in his hands and it's hard to be good with the ball in your hands night in and night out the best players aren't like the best jason tatum was just 11 for 31 against the pistons last night that's just a normal thing that happens in the nba now with the influx of three-point shooting if rj barrett was doing other stuff nobody would give a shit but like the for five four whatever four plus seasons now for the most part, the impact data is reflecting that RJ Barrett is not really helping the team when he isn't playing really well with the ball in his hands because he doesn't just he just doesn't do enough other things. And to me, you know, single game plus minus is bullshit. It's it's, it's noisy as hell most of the time. But to me, like him being minus twenty two in this game in a nine point loss that they got down to six that. Other guys who played in his minutes range were, you know, closer to zero, plus three, plus five. Like, what it's telling us is that when Randall has the ball, when Brunson has the ball, he's he's not helping. The second he comes off the court, in both the first and the third quarter, it's like, okay, it's, it's like we can breathe now. Julius Randall can breathe now. All of a sudden, Julius Randall's running two-man actions on the strong side with it cleared out, and the Orlando Magic help isn't coming as often. Um poor word usage there but um (laughs) um, or was it pause (laughs) i i just think that as long as rj barrett derives most of his impact by 
how he puts the ball in the basket, how willing he is to pass on drives. It's almost like impossible for him to be a really good player, especially in this system where he's at best the third option on a given night. Like when you're the third option, you're asked to do all of the little things that like Josh Hart, Emmanuel quickly to a lesser extent, Dante DiVincenzo and Quentin Grimes do. RJ Barrett doesn't, if you want like a third or a fourth option next to Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall, if you want someone who can space off the ball and create gravity, who will, you know, set some flare screens, like the best RJ minutes tonight were when he was like, okay, let's use him as a screener in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden him and him and quickly had this two man action going and boom, the offense is humming. Right. Um, but in the macro, as long as RJ stays this way and he can have, you know, a hot shooting stretch for a week, we saw it earlier in the season. As long as he stays this way, he's like the fifth best third or third or fourth option on the team. Like he's not, he's just not impacting at all. Um, yeah, I, it was I think- really jar- It was really jarring in that first half. Really he, jarring. It, to call it what it is, he's Minnesota Wiggins. So like, really just put it bluntly. He's this team's Wiggins, like Minnesota Wiggins. Um, like you can see the potential when he has it going, but his inconsistency is maddening. And at this point, they can just break his role up into like other usage for other guys, and the team gets better as a result. I mean, they if you, I think I think what the main the main thing for me is, I don't think any of the usage he provides like. I, I don't know if, if you gave quickly 27 usage every night that he would be thriving in that role. I also think if quickly was like, Hey, you're the third option now. I kind of don't think he would be at 27 usage. Like I think he would be at lower usage and it would just be different. And I think I would rather have that. That being said, like I do, I do think there's, I, this is what I think. I think Tibbs doesn't like playing I think he likes playing quickly with Brunson if Hart is a three. He doesn't trust it with RJ because he doesn't trust RJ right now, which on either end of the floor, which I totally understand. And he doesn't trust Grimes' rebounding enough at the three, even if he likes his point of attack defense. And I think that is where a lot of his struggle is coming in. So really, like, I, I personally still feel like I don't think a guy like OG Ananobi raises this team ceiling to any level of like, oh, they're a contender. But I do think that you would probably see him be more flexible and willing to play Brunson and Quilke together if he thought of RJ as that level of defender. Um, and I think, I just think a lot of this, a lot of the stuff with like Quickly's minutes, Grimes' minutes, uh, weird rotate, like I think a lot of it just stems from. He doesn't trust RJ right now. And he doesn't rightfully trust so. him. What's up? I said rightfully so. Yeah, he doesn't trust him offensively. I, 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 I have to be honest, Schwinn. We we I mean we had this conversation last time. He led the team in minutes tonight. So if he doesn't trust him, he's he's got a bad way of showing it. Well, yeah, he let but he wouldn't if this was this was a weird game where he decided I'm gonna go play five out to close the game. I don't think he's RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett is one of three players on the Knicks whose minutes are not yanked around by whether he's having a bad game or not. Like all four, all four and obviously the centers are a different story. The centers just play um, because for the most part until tonight, Tibbs wants him on the court, which is fine. Um, 
quickly, DiVincenzo, Grimes. I should say four because Hart, Hart's going to get his minutes. So quickly, DiVincenzo and Grimes are in their own little tier. Their minutes are hugely volatile and dependent on what they're doing with the ball in their hand, what, with, with, if their shots are going in or, or if Tibbs likes them on the court. You're, you're, likes, comparing R, you're comparing RJ to this, like what it is right now. What His minutes, he's averaging what, 28 minutes a game coming into tonight or something? Or 29, whatever that was. And he was at what last year? 33. Like, that's a fucking massive reduction. That's a huge reduction. And I'm not saying, like, like I I think – I, I don't care what anybody tells me. This idea of, like, coaching's really hard because you aren't just, like, going to go into a locker room and – look at rj baron and be like well so you know when you look at the plus minus of this group like you're just not matching up so we're gonna slide quickly in there like that's just not how it works you have to manage egos and stuff like that and i think it's very easy and i i do think that there's a better way of at least like when rj's doing shit that is dumb and stupid there's a way to make him accountable and he doesn't do that i think that's a really fair criticism of thibodeau I do think it's a bit much to just be like, well, just have him come off the bench or like just cut his minutes to 20. Like I, I would love that. I would, I would love if he had the cachet and clout and all that stuff to just do shit like that. When guys are fucking up, you know, when like it's easy to bench grinds. It's easy. If he wanted to bench DiVincenzo because he's having a bad stretch or something right now, not, I mean, not a stretch. I mean, he's had a bad game, but like it's, it's easy to bench DiVincenzo. It's easy to to tell Quick A, I uh, know you're not going to close this game. It's easy to do that. It's not easy. Like, we can pretend it's not, it, it should just be about merit and it should just be about, like, oh, it's a meritocracy and God. It's not that easy. Like, I, I think, I think he's trying to fucking manage shit. I don't think he's nailing it. Um, like, tonight, it's a perfect opportunity, right? DiVincenzo is playing like absolute shit. RJ's playing like absolute shit in the first half. Don't bring that back in. This is the perfect. Even if you want to start them in the second half, you don't need to bring them back in in that game. Like that's a perfect opportunity to give other guys a chance. That's where I think he fucks up. But I don't think it's fair to be like. I, I think there's more going on with RJ be- getting his 28 minutes a night than him. I I don't think Tibbs trusts him. I don't. I don't. Who, buy who do you who do you think he trusts more, Hart or RJ? Hart easily. Hart. Yeah. What if I told you that Josh Hart has taken has a minute has lost more minutes than RJ since the RJ trade compared to last season or since the Hart trade? Well, that makes RJ's minutes RJ's minutes from the Josh Hart trade through the end of the season last year compared to this season are minus one and a half. He's lost a minute and a half a game. Josh Hart has lost two minutes a game. So I don't accept that he's lost two minutes a game. Two minutes a game. Or he's lost a minute and a half a game compared to what his that, role was at the end of all, last season. Also so that because, means Tibbs doesn't trust him. That's also because he like he DiVincenzo's not Obi. He can't just be like Obi, you're getting 10 minutes tonight. He's trying I agree, to but I'm just, I'm just I'm just saying your whole like, case was his minutes are down, that's a huge deal. Josh Hart's minutes are down two minutes. So Yeah, but and we, 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 we we both agree that he loves Josh Hart and thinks the world of him. Right. I actually I feel I feel completely the opposite. I think that Tibbs wants it to work with RJ so bad because of his obsession with size and his obsession with getting to the rim that those things just carry so much water for him that he's just going to keep going to the well over and over again. I'm not even saying he's wrong. I'm just specifically talking about in this conversation. 
<laughs> in this in the context of this conversation about like who Tibbs trusts and yada yada yada, I think RJ is in the Hart Brunson tier, Hart Brunson Randall tier, and or at least closer to it. And then I think Quickly's kind of by himself, maybe with DiVincenzo, and then I think Grimes is at the bottom. Well, Grimes um, is like he's like the new Ovi, so. It's sad. Like Grimes could get some of these small forward minutes. He should get some of them, especially yeah. like I don't know. He might have gotten the memo because I think the last couple of games he's been rebounding with a little bit more, uh, more fire. Well, yeah. I mean, as, as you like to talk about Schwinn, like all he's got to do is do one of those cool two footed jumping rebounds like DiVincenzo does that has Breen orgasm on on <laughs> live TV. Look at and the way all, he disguises in. <laughs> oh, I disguise for the rebound, and then all of a sudden, maybe maybe that'll create a bias for Tibbs. Well, it's, um, it's but the, the DiVincenzo rebounding thing. He had one. It was the final play, I think. I think of the first half, where he stupidly went in for an offensive rebound, and so then Brunson got left. Like, actually, it wasn't the. It was. It was at some point in the first half, though, because the last play of the first half wasn't actually. I mean, DiVincenzo turned it over, but he got put in a shitty spot. Uh, but there was one play where he like skied in for a rebound. He had zero chance of getting, and it was like Brunson on a three-on-one defending, and I was like, "All right, dude, great. This is awesome." Um, but yeah, the DiVincenzo rebounding thing is, and and Grimes can jump. He should do it. Like he should definitely. Brain will probably just he'll probably like send uh fucking tips the tape. Hey, did you see this one yesterday? <laughs> you fucking see this, pal? <laughs> oh man. Um did we do did we address this comment here by Jordan Bub? Um No, I just brought it up because I thought it was worth mentioning. Oh yeah. But um here Jordan Bub says dibs on Jalen Brunson. What's this guy go what this guy is going through is ridiculous, ridiculous. He's getting hammered time after time, and I'm just getting sick and tired of it. I watch it, I send it in, they're fouls. <laughs> I I really struggle with this. Like, I agree he gets fouled. I also think Brunson is super physical himself. Like, he's getting in there. He's fucking throwing his shoulder into guys, throwing his forearm into guys. He's, like, a, six, he's a 6'2". Like, he gets... <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, he's just like... He's, he's like... <laughs> he's like a 6'2 Randall or like a... <laughs> I don't know, like six two. Like, like, okay. What you guys thought Saquon would be like something like that. I don't know. Why would you go there? <laughs> <laughs> this is we're both missing the playoffs. You son of a bitch. Anyway, you know Dave Gettleman watches Brunson and Randall play, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, that's how you get in the trenches." <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. Sean McDermott's still your coach. Have fun. That's right. That's right. He is still my coach, and. He's going to lead us to glory uh, because of his dedication to his craft. Uh, at whatever, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Whatever. Anyway, like I was saying, like I mean, the guy's like six two and well built. Like he plays very physical given his stature, and he had twelve free throws tonight. He's averaging like around six on the season. I don't, I don't think it should be that big of an issue like the bigger issues are usually like Randall and RJ more than Brunson, I don't even I think I don't think so I think the bigger issue is quickly I think he gets the shittiest whistle on the team and I don't think yes. it's like sure. he gets the shittiest whistle on the team and I like Randall yeah Randall again Randall's another guy where it's like yeah look does he get hammered sometimes it doesn't get called yes but Randall's also in there like look I, I see Randall sometimes I mean he had a couple today where he's driving in I'm like could be an offensive foul, maybe if you wanted to call it, but like, like he, like these guys live on the border. So if you're gonna live on the on the border, there, like, like I just have a tough time killing refs so much for that. When I, I think they're really hard to officiate. Like, 
like they're hard to officiate in ways that are different than floppers, right? Like, because I I don't actually think like people I've seen a lot of uh, opponents be like, oh Brunson's always out there flopping. Like I don't think he's flopping. I think he's like genuinely drawing contact. Like yes, is his express purpose on some of these moves to draw contact? Yes, but he's not flopping. He's actually drawing contact. But when you were when you're so much your game is about like you know fucking making contact and like create like you know he's yes he's a master at creating space some of that involves him pushing off with using his shoulder whatever it is right like dislodging players more or less you're like you're you get away with stuff too and i just i don't know like i do think tonight he got a bad whistle i do just i don't know i I just feel like if you're talking about aggregate i have a really hard time feeling like Brunson gets a shit whistle. I really do. Like, I think he gets a pretty good whistle. Um, you know, I saw him at the end of the Christmas game. He was getting mad at the refs too. And I'm like, dude, yeah. Is that whatever? Who was that guy on the, like the fucking on the bucks, the great uh, civil war general, Andrew Jackson. Um, is that his name? Is that Andrew, Andre, Andre, Jackson? Andre Jackson? Andrew Jackson. It is. We'll call him Andrew Jackson. Uh, but like he, he, or he, he was just like, uh, you know, he, yes. Was, was Jackson fouling him? Sure. But, you're also like fucking pushing off on him too, man. So I don't know. Like they let some stuff go. It just, it's tough for me. Like I do agree tonight was a bad whistle for the Knicks overall. And to Jeff's point that he made earlier, Randall is probably the guy that is a bigger case for bad whistle tonight than, than, than Brunson. But I don't know. I, I just, I kind of think this is like the wrong battle to fight on the wrong night. Like I think there are nights where it's worth it. I don't really see it this night. I don't. Not 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 for Brunson anyway. I think if he just wanted to make a he could have made a better point overall and just been like, look, like if you're gonna call this bullshit for Paolo, who's six ten, like built like a fucking ox, and he's getting these touch fouls, and on the other end, Brunson is can't get a fucking call when he's getting hacked, like that's a fair one to make. I don't really like singling this. I don't know, it's the framing of it that maybe I'm having a difficult time with. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you entirely. I I think it's obvious that Brunson had a few missed calls tonight. Um, he shot twelve free throws, and, and and they were at the wrong times too. Like that one hundred three ninety seven swing. It, it felt like the Knicks were going to take this game at that point. Like they had all the momentum. The small lineup was working. They have the ball, cutting it to six, and they get multiple opportunities. And Brunson gets fouled. And then that becomes, and then on the other end, they immediately give a pretty weak call the other way. So fan, the by the way, challenge it. You have a fucking challenge. Challenge the fucking call. Like, fucking hell. This guy won't challenge until, like, the stupidest. Then he challenged. Sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. But he just challenged the stupidest fucking call after that. The Randall one, which you know, you knew they weren't going to overturn that. Just like, what the fuck? Just challenge, challenge the fucking one. You got a chance of winning. And that's a huge momentum swing. Like you just mentioned, it's a fucking massive momentum swing. If you win that challenge, you get the ball again down six with still what is it, like two forty left in the game or something. Like fucking right. massive swing. That's probably like a fifteen percent win probability swing. Yeah, All right. That's where I was going with that. So that's it. Um, I just, I just, yeah, I think. Oh, on the on the whole. It's going to be easy for the refs, the league, just to be like, dude, the dude you're complaining about shot 12 free throws. And I think that Randall was 
living inside the paint against guys he was bullying and was way bigger than. He got hit a couple times. I'm surprised he didn't draw a technical off. Um, only RJ got teed up for that for like the week is like I mean, I know that's technically the rule, but whatever. Um DeJounte Murray in the second half today, two points, one attempt on the field, over three from three, two turnovers, man. Trade for him. Gotta get it. Two picks in quickly. Look, I this is gonna make me sound like a really bad Knicks fan, but and maybe Nick's Twitter has just sort of jaded me in a way, but when I see these discussions and I see such a huge segment of Knicks fans, like very clearly just not know what they're watching in such frustrating ways and being so condescending and so confident in their hoop watching ability. Like sometimes like a small part of me just wants a trade like that to go through just to watch them like unravel and see, just to see what happens. Like, just to see, like, like finally, like, let's just put proof of concept to one of the, one of these theories. You know, who knows? Maybe they're right. Maybe maybe Dejounte Murray is going to come in and save the day, and I'll have to adjust. I'm I'm open to that. I don't think I, it's going to happen. I don't think I, it's going to happen. I feel like when I've been really wrong on stuff, it's usually like just super outlier things that don't make sense or just like are unpredictable. I just don't like. I just don't get the Dejounte thing. So I'm just like. He's a good player. We no, he's he not. He's not even a good player. See, this is this. See, this is where like I just like I can't get to that point where no, he's not like he's a good player. Like, but is he a player that like I like? You're not talking about like it's like if we wanted to, if we were a 35 win team and we needed to get good and we didn't have enough ball handling, sure, fine, go trade for Dejounte Murray. Maybe that'll make you a good team. You're already a good team. You already have a great ball handler. Like Dejounte Murray is not adding something to that and he's just not a complimentary fit anyway uh this is from kenny is it mirror is that how you pronounce it um i'm gonna say mirror i'm gonna assume mirror kenny mirror uh quickly early in his career had a lot of the trey young in him with the foul bidding i do wonder if that's on the rest of mine now they don't give as many calls i would maybe be cool with this if like they would think of that like with trey young that would be like if they saw trey young we're like oh no no he's trey young we should not reward him for this. I, I don't know. I just think he gets a bad whistle. I I can't really explain it. I just think uh, the more I've like I've as much as I've watched him this year, it just like it just feels like he gets a really rough whistle on stuff that I'm like Brunson would get that call. Like Brunson would get that call 100 percent And I feel like there's a lot of times quickly doesn't get calls that Brunson would. But whatever. I don't think that's a huge deal tonight anyway. I mean we we do like I feel like we should probably talk about just the rj thing um like I, I don't know it's not that he he didn't he, it's so funny like ultimately on aggregate he didn't end up playing a bad game it wasn't a great game wasn't even necessarily a good game but it was an okay game but the aggregate isn't really i don't know it's just not a, the way for me to evaluate him anymore i just i don't care anymore like, I I need sustained proof of concept of him being a positive NBA player, and it's been five years and I haven't had it. Like, I don't care if he goes off for 20, a couple games in a row, and that'll fool people into thinking, oh, he's this really, really effective player. Like, it's three years and he has been one of the worst, if not the worst, high usage NBA player in the, like, Three years in a row. You just can't, you can't ignore that. 
you can't ignore that. You can't ignore the fact that like his strengths on this team are an additive to the strengths of the two best players on the team. You can't ignore the fact that like there's a guy who plays less minutes than he does who is a perfect fit with Brunson and Randall and plays better than him and is six true shooting more efficient than him. Like at some point you just have to acknowledge it for what it is and like the team gets better when they move him. Like the t- he gets he legitimately is so destructive to what this team wants to do. And at this point, you have to treat him like you're not gonna rehab his value. You're not gonna somehow convince a team that he's like really, really good or like something more technical flyer around. Like he's a salary dump. He's a salary dump. He's their he's their wiggins. And once they move him, this team gets immediately better. Just get any wing in there who can play decent defense, and the team is going to be better as a result of it because touches are going to be going to where they should they should go instead of like trying to placate him and watching him like throw up bricks and be inefficient. So that's kind of all I have to say about it. Um, Jeff, you've been kind of like. I don't know. I guess you've been the longest uh, optimist, but I felt like, I don't know. I felt like today was a little bit of a tipping point for you in the first half. I don't know is that accurate or not. Or About you... RJ? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was one of the worst halves of his career. I don't know. I don't, I know this is what we do here. I know this is like the whole point of a post game is to go game by game, but I'm, I'm just like such a macro thinker. I just, I don't want to like one game be like, oh, it looked good. And then like, I don't know. I saw the timeline today. I saw like literally you had the one side in the first half that was like, oh my God, RJ sucks so bad. He's the worst. And then the second half, some people, you know, come out and they're just like, oh, where are you now? Where are you now? It's like, dude, like, dude, what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here? Um, I, the way I feel about RJ is honestly, it's not going to change until the, the structure of the Knicks changes. As long as he's the third option in the starting lineup, he has to be better at the non-scoring things. And as long as he isn't, as long as whether he goes eight for 12 or two for 12 dictates all of his value and impact, he's just not a super valuable player to this team. It's really hard for him to be because go across the league, find me, find me another team who has a third option that profiles like RJ Barrett, just find one single team. I would, be very, I would be very, very surprised if you could find me a single team whose third option, the totality of his impact is determined by if he can put the ball in the hoop on that given night. Well, it doesn't exist because that's not how the league works anymore. Like Jalen Williams is the Thunder's third option. Um, Jalen Williams tonight is two for eight against Denver in Denver they're up 20 I bet you Jalen Williams has done something other that that's that's helped mitigate that poor shooting night like I guarantee it okay not a fair example he has eight assists right now he has eight assists right now okay there you go uh yeah he's got a block he's got five rebounds like yada yada go across I mean maybe that's not a fair example maybe Jalen Williams is too high a bar I don't know Fuck, man. Who's the third? Like, Jalen Suggs. Jalen Jalen Suggs is the number three option in the Magic starting lineup tonight, right? Jalen Suggs can go 0 for 10 in a night, and he can be a positive player. 
You saw it tonight. Steals, dude, dude, rebound. dude, maybe, maybe, maybe he's annoying as shit and maybe he needs some hair plugs. I don't know. <laughs> but dude, but dude fucking is a baller and he's one of the best defenders in the entire NBA. The third options in NBA don't look like RJ Barrett and they're not a sustainable option for success. That's almost a little bit unfair to RJ. And honestly, I could go on a rant about that. I could go on a rant about how since his rookie year, the Knicks have pretty option. much done the, the Knicks have pretty much done whatever they could to make it make his development path as difficult as possible. That is a totally reasonable argument, in my opinion, and that adds layers of nuance to the discussion. But right now, where the Knicks are right now, regardless of how we got here, the Knicks are in a spot where they have a rotation that goes nine deep, and they can and, and the East, you know, aside from the Celtics and Bucks, they can win a playoff series and. I don't really care anymore about, oh, well, they didn't develop RJ the right way. They're not building around RJ the right way. The fact of the matter is he's going to be the third option. So there's two paths forward with RJ as the third option. He can learn how to impact games separated from his scoring, or the Knicks have to do something because they have multiple guys who are better at it than him. And they're right there. They don't even have to make a trade. You brought up Ananobi earlier. Like, I am 100% sure, 100% sure. That and and this should be jarring to Knicks fans because people are low on this guy too. I am 100% sure that if you just flip flop Quentin Grimes and RJ Barrett for the rest of the season, the Knicks get better. That's how ridiculously out of sorts these guys are syner- synergetically. Um, th- th- which says nothing about Josh Hart. Obviously, the starting lineup gets better if you replace RJ with Josh Hart. Like, that's the yeah. easy move. But again, like maybe it's. Maybe it's maybe they're not allowed to do it. Maybe they can't hurt his trade value. Of course, there's all this other stuff that I can't know without being in the building. But it's a problem. Get in the, the building. Right, it's a problem that the Knicks right now have multiple players who, again, and I went on this rant last time. It's not in a vacuum. So I'll get laughed at. People who, oh, he thinks Quentin Grimes is better than R.J. Barrett. I'm I'm not saying if you surrounded Quentin Grimes with four G leaguers he could like create better offense than RJ, yada, yada, yada. I'm saying in the paradigm of the Knicks right now with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle playing the way they are, you need certain things from your third option. And RJ Barrett does not come close to giving you those things. So that's my feeling on RJ. It doesn't really have anything to do with my long-term view on him as a player in a vacuum. If he got traded to a situation, I would completely change the conversation and I would give my analysis on, on him as a player in the new paradigm. All we can talk about is the Knicks right now and how they're built and what RJ Barrett is expected to do. He's not doing any of the things that are being so, expected of him. So I actually was thinking about a lot of this. I mean, I thinking about this a lot the last couple of days, but <clears throat> I thought about this today when I was looking up RJ Barrett's drive numbers and his passing and he doesn't pass out of drives. And like, Those I stand by yes. this. Yeah, he, he's terrible at it. Um, I stand by that. Wait, Shun, before you continue, I have something to bring up to Jeff because I didn't share this with him before. But Is Jeff, if, no, I'm not married. Can you please stop with that joke? Congrats, Sam. Woo! Anyways, anyways, Jeff, if you put our, I went on Cheers. handle today before before the game to look at what RJ's unders would get you if you took his unders in points, <laughs> rebounds, and threes. That's a way when I tell you when I quick. when I tell you he has been so bad, it's basically worth nothing. It's like plus 255. 
That's like garbage. The fact that Sam is internalizing how bad RJ Barrett is through the use of FanDuel is hilarious. That's my medium. That's my medium to relate how good or bad a basketball player is. Not stats, not true shooting, though. It's just how much money can I make on his good game? That's a good way to judge a player in my book. You know the the great uh, picture of Sam that everybody uses where he's like staring at the the camera or whatever, his eyes are wide? I picture Sam like, you know, like RJ is not that bad. He's not that bad. And then he tries throwing together an RJ parlay of unders and then his eyes going wide like that. Like, holy shit. Oh, he really is bad. Um, but I, what I was going to say is I was looking at all his numbers passing and obviously the passing stuff is bad and out of drives. And I get, I get all that. And I, I stand by what everything I said, like it, it's, if he's going to play this role, he's not a good enough finisher to take the amount of shots he's taking. Even if he drives at the same volume. He's got to be more of a playmaker. I actually thought at the start of this game he tried to do that. Um, he had a kick out to to Randall pretty early in the game for a three. Like I thought it was obvious that he was somewhat conscious of this, even if he still forced up a lot of junk. Um, but like to your point, Jeff, it's almost like they want him to be the third option, but he's like <laughs> got this thing in his head of like. I've got to score. Like I've got to be a 22 point per game scorer. I've got to like, I've got to do this. And the, and so he knows that the touches he gets when he puts the ball on the floor, like he has to capitalize on that to score because he's not going to get other opportunities. And the problem is he, he can't do anything else offensively. He can't pull up and shoot off the dribble. He doesn't have a mid range game off the bounce. Like, yeah, he can post up small guys, but he doesn't have the craft to small to post up equal matchups, nice. right? Yeah, like he doesn't have the skill to post up equal size. He he doesn't have those things. So so what he has is forcing his way, bullying his way inside, and putting up what he can once he gets inside like ten feet, wherever that is. And and I'm not saying that's right. I, it's not right. I don't think it's right. I think it's fair to criticize him for that. And it is a it is a criticism also of his lack of development in, in his skills as a shot creator. Um, but that just speaks to your point of like, look, if you want this guy to be a third option, he's just not gonna do it. Like he just doesn't you either gotta be awesome on offense, that so that to the point that like we can overcome the fact that maybe your defense isn't so good for the typical third option, or your defense has to be awesome to the point that we can live with the fact that your offense is not anywhere near perfect. And he just is never going to be that. He's never going to be either of those things. So you're kind of left in this weird catch-22 with him. And and I think this is where I just – I'm not – I just I, – I don't totally agree with you in the sense of, like, they've done nothing to surround him. Like, sure, they've done nothing to kind of prioritize him as a top-two option. But at the end of the day, I'm also like, look, even as a second option – I'm going to need you to fucking hit open catch and shoot threes at a decent enough clip. And like, like today, this is the second I, this was quickly threw past him in the corner that I thought was an insane pass. Like he threw it between two defenders and like probably his own man hits RJ in the corner. And as soon as he let it go, you were like, yeah, that's got no shot. Like that's going to hit the front rim and like go fucking to China or something like that. has got no chance of, of going in. And it's the same thing that happened in the fourth quarter against OKC. Makes an awesome pass to RJ in the corner. 
and and in that game is funny. RJ let it go and he starts like hopping because you can kind of tell he's like trying to like will it like will it into the hoop and it's just front rim again. And like, look, I I know that the counter will obviously be like, well, Randall doesn't hit those shots. Even if you put RJ in a second option role, like I don't think he's God ever bless. gonna he's not gonna create the way like the stuff that Randall did tonight. RJ's never gonna have that type of game like that against that against that caliber of like interior defense, defense length. The way that Randall was Earth? enough. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. <laughs> All right, now. And Schwinn, before you continue, we should add because I think you know some new people are going to hop on. They're going to hear it and they're going to be like, "God, RJ again." We acknowledge and His agree girl. that Jalen was worse tonight. The reason oh. Jalen gets a pass is because he's playing like an all MVP he's, level. He's an All Star this right. season, so like that needs to be said. Like. Nobody like nobody's like oh RJ was the worst player in the world tonight and nobody else was bad and he's the only reason they lost. That's continue when I just feel like that's important to note because people take stuff out of context and it's like right now we're discussing Mac, uh, RJ on the macro. You know like we're using his poor first half tonight as a jumping off point for like okay how does this work with him as a main piece in the rotation? What is the path forward for it working? Right. And I just, I like, this is where, like, I, I saw, you know, people are like, oh, and I'm not, I don't think you're saying the Knicks have done him dirty. I get what you're saying, which I think is more nuanced than the people that are like, oh, like the Knicks are fucking like, they've sabotaged his career, like, type of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think they, I think they did him dirty his rookie season. I'll say that. Yeah. I, yeah. I no, no. That, there's no question. Yeah. No question about that. Since, and like, since then, it's a little bit more difficult with, since the hiring of Tibbs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's much more nuanced. Yeah. And, and I think, what I will, I think the the hope you would have if you're an RJ fan is like to me the hope is you get a different coach in here because I will say this last thing I've talked about this before Malik Monk tonight I think he had like eight assists or something he's averaging a career high in assists this year right um like Kings offense baby the, yeah the King the Kings fucking shit assists out of their ass as a team that's not that's not like a that's not all just about players. That's about what they do offensively. Like, do you like the year that the Warriors didn't have Steph, right? In that, what was that? 20, was that 2019, 20 when they just sucked total ass and 2019, 2020. They, they, they lost Durant. Then Clay was out for the whole season. Then Steph and like Steph and D, no, he played like three. Was it three? Like, Whatever. like, or, 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 excuse me. Let me, let me rephrase. He played three to start the season, and that's when he got his first injury. I think you're right. I think he tried to make like a small comeback, but it was odd for it was for not. Yeah. <laughs> and so, even that year, I'm pretty sure Golden State was like high in assists per hundred. You probably look it up. I know Draymond still averaged like seven assists a game, or something, because I had him in fantasy that year. Um, but like, my point is like. It's, he, Steph, Draymond didn't average seven assists a year that game because he was fucking throwing like way better passes to worse players. No, it's because everything they do offensively involves Draymond, involves movement, involves players and cutting and screening and all this stuff that naturally generates ball and player movement and assists. And like so much of the, oh, the Knicks have ISO players. They're so stagnant. Everything is stagnant. I prom I guarantee you if tomorrow Tom Thibodeau retired and Steve Kerr was like, fuck Golden State, I'm out, I'm going to New York, 
and I'm I'm coming to the Big Apple finally after all these years. Like I was supposed to come back and when Phil Jackson was supposed to hire me, he comes in here, and I'm not saying they're going to turn to the Warriors and they're going to be like walk to a championship, but the offense is going to look different. And all of a sudden, you're going to be like, oh my God, like RJ Barrett's averaging four and a half assists a game, and Emmanuel Quickly is averaging five assists a game off the bench, and like things will just start happening that you're like, wow, all these guys are such good passers. I didn't even realize this was happening. Like, what was the fucking, weren't the Warriors the lowest assist team in the league the year before Kerr got there or something like that? They're like a horrible assist team. They're one of the worst in the league that year. They were, I, I don't know what they were in assists, but I remember in the Simmons, Zach Lowe, Haralabob 2014-2015 season preview, which is like literally one of my favorite pieces of NBA content ever. I'll talk about it whenever I can. I, I can't believe they only did that once. That was just such an amazing episode. Um, Haral Bob mentioned that they were last in the NBA in passes. Like they they passed less than any. They they basically just ran all these ISOs. Mark Jack Mark Jackson was such a big fan of like dumping it in the mid post to Harrison Barnes when Harrison Barnes had a point guard on him, and it was just like, dude, you have Steph, you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. What the fuck are you doing? Um, yeah. So yeah, funny they enough, they were actually uh, hold on. They were. They were actually 12th in assists, but yeah, they, I mean, they were running like pick and roll ISO stuff. And, and to be fair, like at that time, they were what, 20, they averaged 24 assists per 100, which is basically what the Knicks average right now, I'm pretty sure. Um, like the point is, like, that offense was not unlocked. The Knicks are like, I'm not, and I'm not suggesting Brunson is not an ISO player, Randall's not an ISO player. I think they are ISO players in a lot of ways, but you don't get, I don't think quickly is naturally support like some guy that's like, I want to run 15 pick and rolls to get a mismatch and then pick. Like, I don't think that's naturally what he is. That's not even what he did in Kentucky. And you see when he plays off of Brunson and Randall, all of a sudden you see all these other things he does that isn't related to any of the stuff he does when he plays without them. And now he's the lead ball handler. And I just like, I think there's some of that involved too with RJ where it's like some of his ISO like, kind of tunnel vision uh, play when he puts the ball on the deck is also about how the Knicks are set up to play and how they set up to space the floor and play off of their primary shot creators, where it's like those guys have to create advantage advantages and then they have to make the right reads and all this type of stuff. Like, I don't, I don't think it's all about him. And I don't think it's like all about Brunson and I don't think it's all about Randall. I do think systems matter. And even if this team would, is not going to be some like top 10 assist rate team, I, I definitely think they're more more capable of, of being like closer to league average than they are. Um, and, and I think that's part of it too with, with regard to RJ. But like end of the day, if they're committed to Randall, they're committed to Brunson, RJ's just never going to profile as the third guy that you want or need on that team um, on either end of the floor. If it was on one end, you could probably deal. You could probably figure something out. But it's on either end and that's just a problem. And like that's just one they're going to have to accept and kind of bite the bullet on and and move on with uh, this from Chris Bernard under Tibbs, Grimes, Mitch, IQ, Randall, and even Deuce have improved. RJ not improving is just a wild thought. I said I thought I said it a couple of days ago. Should have got off the pot and make a decision. Cause, uh, sorry, one second. It's worse to be indecisive. Don't wait too long before you end up with nothing. Guys get worse. The time to capitalize is now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is pretty definitely the case with RJ. And I think you're, I know people are still like, I know quickly is the one that's on everybody's minds, but like, I really wonder about Grimes because I just can't imagine if I'm Quentin Grimes, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing right now? Like I was a starter last year and now I'm playing like 12 minutes a night and 
like I was untouchable. Like I'm not. I and by the way, that was not real. He was definitely he was very touchable in the Donovan he Mitchell. Uh, he was very touchable. Uh, but but like I, I was like this prize thing in the Donovan Mitchell trade talks, and now I'm just a, like I'm behind Divincenzo. Like I I'm just I, I just think like those two guys to me bear more watching for obvious RJ for all the reasons we've been talking about and Grimes for reasons that are pretty obvious. If you just go sort Knicks by minutes per game, like and compare year to year, like pretty fucking obvious why he might be uh, not too thrilled about his role or how he profiles forward. And like, but that also kind of speaks to Tibbs where it's like, I don't, th- I think other coaches would be more flexible night to night. And I think other coaches would be like, oh, like Grimes hit two threes last game, right? And it's like, he, I thought he just, I thought he just played well in that game in general. And there's no benefit. He doesn't get more minutes. It's just like, okay, I'm at, you, you did well in your designated 12 minutes tonight. Awesome. That, well, that the, brought us the thing you, Shwin, the, Shwin, the thing you brought up earlier, uh, you brought up the, the part about the end of the first half when Tibbs pulled quickly um, and Hart. I think he pulled quickly first and then Hart came out a little bit later for RJ. Um, that's a moment right there, right there. Like RJ is having literally one of the worst halves ever. You don't have to be on autopilot there. 29 out of 30 coaches either leave Hart or quickly in or like, okay, Grimes, you're playing fine. Get out. Get, like, and Grimes is like, Grimes hadn't made anything, but Grimes is, you know, I went on that rant earlier about, guys who can do something grimes is kind of the opposite of rj grimes can be over two grimes can be over six and be helping you in certain ways um and i that's a moment right there where it's like okay maybe we'll try a three guard a three guard lineup with brunson divincenzo and grimes let's see let's just see like rj doesn't have it hard and hard and quickly just finished 13 and 14 minute shifts okay i want to get him out of there I, I guess i gotta go back to rj no you fucking don't dude you don't Grimes has only played seven minutes. It's okay. Like Grimes, you know, he's not going to hurt you on defense. You know that the ex- if, if, and by the way, this is the most ridiculous part about it. If the extra inch or two that RJ has on Quentin Grimes and height matters so much, how come every single time Grimes was in the starting lineup with RJ Barrett, Quentin Grimes guarded the number one option, whether it was a winger was it wasn't. If that, if, if that size matters so much, Go back and from the day Quentin Grimes took over in the starting lineup last season when they were 10 and 13, every single number one option Quentin Grimes started on him. If that size difference is so important that you can't close those last few minutes of the half with Quentin Grimes at small forward because you need a 6'6 guy at small forward as opposed to a 6'4 dude, tell me why Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Quentin Grimes came out of the gate on those guys. He wouldn't have an answer because it's bullshit. It's absolute fucking bullshit. Also, why are there so many comments about my shirt <laughs> in the comments? Because, because Hawkeye Hawkeye said that's how Hawkeye said like that's how we know you're wiped up because you're wearing a shirt from prison in 1930. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like it's legitimately one of the best comments I've ever seen in my life. Oh. <laughs> I really bad gambling etiquette marriage. You look good mixture of happy and long life marriage. Dog. They are and, fried your ass. God damn. And definitely got married. He's wearing a shirt that says I'm locked up. <laughs> like Sam just wearing his Nautica shirt chilling. I got a Bloomingdale's with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> a cashmere sweater. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Uh, Just for that, I'm not telling anybody when I actually do get married, whenever that is. Cap. Well, this, no. is, uh, this is from Kofi Amankwa Jr. I've said this before, RJ is consistently inconsistent. Jeff is right. The way he is now, based on how he's playing and the way the roster is constructed, he can't be the third option. Yeah, I, I look, I agree with this. My, my Where I just feel differently is like, I think I have enough of a grasp on his game that even if I give him the benefit of the doubt on like his role and all the stuff I talked about with like, you know, he gets limited, he gets some certain touches that he knows, all right, I got to create and then only chat. Like, so he'd have more latitude to do stuff as a second option. So his assist would go up. And even with that, I'm just like, I just, I'm sorry. Like when you can't create off the bounce, either jumpers or separation when you drive or you can't finish explosively at the rim. It's really, really hard. It is really, really hard to to be successful that way in any in any high usage role, especially in his case because he's not a good shooter. And like, I promise you, if you go back and watch the start of the year, yeah, the shooting was great, but I bet you you could see teams adjusting to how they were covering him towards the end of that run. Like, I I think I saw a number today where it was like Scotty Barnes the first ten games or something of the year like sixty two or 63 percent of his threes were unguarded might even been higher than that and now it's down to like 49 percent or something that are guarded and it's like that sounds where you're like well you still have your threes are unguarded that's a huge difference that means like teams are now like okay no no we have to like actually kind of close out on this guy and honor him a little bit out there we can't just totally ignore him um and i with rj i would bet it's the exact opposite it was probably like it, it probably started like we'll just leave him unguarded. And then it came down here and then now it's all the way back up to where it was like, cause you watch the magic today. And, and this speaks to Tyrese's point of like, he doesn't compliment the guys that you're kind of centering your offense around. They did not defend him. They weren't paying attention to him at all off the ball. And that's, I mean, that sucks. Like I, I obviously it sucks for, for us. It sucks for RJ it sucks for the team, but like, that's just what it is. And, you know, Tibbs can love what he loves. At a certain point, the front office is going to either have to move RJ or they're going to have to have a conversation with him and be like, look, like, I don't really know what the hell you want to happen here, but, like, this isn't working, dude. And meanwhile, we've got guys sitting on the bench who make way more sense with what we have around Art Randall and, and, and Brunson. So one of those things has to change. Whichever one is up to the organization, Tibbs, front office, whatever. But it needs to happen because, like, I just think you're playing, like, a really – look, I, I still – like, I still don't – I'm amazed by, like, the fact that quickly, like – again, I don't think he played an amazing game, but, like, he was very engaged in the game today. That was obvious. Um, and I just – I'm amazed that he's consistently, like, as engaged as he is. Actually, I think recently he's been, like, even more engaged. It's very interesting to watch. Um, but with – a guy like Grimes, like he's kind of like doesn't show much emotion when he plays anyway. I can just see it being really hard. Like it, it is really hard for him. Even DiVincenzo's talked about this, right? He was like, I'm used to playing more minutes and whatever. Like it's hard for these guys. So especially when they can see, I'm, they have eyes too. I'm sure they see RJ Barrett struggling, you know? Like it's hard to just accept that. And it creates issues and it can create issues in the locker room for sure. 
Yeah, and this says nothing of like the long term. Like, if you're right, Schwinn, and there's a front office mandate, a feeling that you're going to lose RJ if you change his role or if you, you know, start holding him to a higher standard. All of a sudden, you know, you look at quickly, you look at Grimes down the road, you lose those guys and you're going to say, yeah, well, we had to lose them because we couldn't risk affecting RJ Barrett's trade value or we couldn't risk losing RJ Barrett mentally. That's catastrophic. Like that's just, that's, that's almost unheard of in the sport, you know, like the Knicks with the 25, 25th pick back-to-back seasons drafted two, you know, good, solid NBA players who can be on the court in the biggest moments as role players next to stars. Those are hard to find and they're risking, you know, either at best, at best right now, they're just, they're only affecting their trajectories. That's it. At worst, they're affecting their trajectories in the short term and risk losing them in the long term. And at a certain point, RJ Barrett just has to justify that. I think like too much is made of like the asset and the asset. And it's like teams know what he is. Like teams have an idea of what he is at this point. It's been five years of tape. So it's kind of hard to be like, oh, you know, you can't you might drop his value lower and it's like how much lower can it get how much lower can his value get like he's already 53 true shooting for his career like he's not suddenly becoming he's not going to be like more efficient coming off the bench or whatever it's just it just has to happen at some point like there needs to be a decision made and it's like the fact that quickly his contract is looking to be like very lucrative and it's looming kind of just means like you're just going to make a choice and choose the direction honestly they need to just call troy weaver and be like give us bogdanovich for rj and (laughs) before troy weaver gets fired you have to fleece him (laughs) to like do the business you need to get done or something because if i'm like kind of joking but like honestly there's truth to every joke if you if you if you want to keep quickly and you want and you're going to pay him whatever whatever it is right like you kind of have to make a move with rj sooner or later that can be anybody it could be maybe bogdanovich is obviously not who i'd want gordon hayward okay definitely not gordon. what relax we're clearing uh, the cap yeah staten island stand up um <laughs> but is that wally zerbiak's music <laughs> is that was that Mike Green's? We love answers. <laughs> uh, but I just think like we we've been kind of like we've been dancing. I I think the organization has been dancing around this for a while. The team has been dancing around this for a while, and people have been deluding themselves about like quickly he's just a six man. Quickly can't be this. Can't be that. He doesn't. He can't start. He doesn't play like. RJ does things that like add value that like we are super important and and it's like maybe they are important I don't fucking know all I know is that like it doesn't make sense next to the two guys that the organization has seemingly tagged as like tentpole players and Quickly's does it's really that simple to me um, on top of the fact that Quickly's improved individually and I think pretty clearly 
consistently provides a positive impact at a high level. And RJ is at best middling uh, consistently. And like, that is just what it is. And I know they're not exactly the same. Um, And, you know, Jeff is a huge fan of like positional archetypes and making sure that all players fit into very rigid roles. Uh, So he would maybe disagree with this now, Um, (laughs) but like, but like, I understand RJ and quickly aren't exactly playing the same position, but in an NBA, that's this flexible and this positionless all your one to three guys. And a lot of times your one to four guys are playing for minutes. And even within Tibbs's rigidity, you're fooling yourself. If you don't think RJ's minutes affect IQ's minutes or don't affect Grimes's minutes or affect even Chenzo's minutes. It does. It absolutely does. Um, and really what you have to ask yourself is, is it worth it? Is it, would you rather have RJ or would you rather have quickly? And would you rather have, more minutes for Grimes and maybe some more minutes for DiVincenzo. That's really what it is. Because as long as RJ is here, I don't think Tibbs is the coach that has the balls or maybe he doesn't have the fucking green light. Or yeah, maybe not the cachet or maybe not the green light from the front office to do whatever the fuck you want. Play whoever, like, and, and that includes RJ. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe that, maybe that, maybe that's wrong, but like, that's what it is. So, I, I don't like that being a binary. I don't I wish it wasn't because I do think that actually does. That's part of why the Knicks leverage uh, can be kind of hurt by benching RJ, in my opinion. Um, but that's what it is. And I, I don't, to me, I, I would, I don't, I'm not, I'm not of the opinion the organization is surprised. Like, I think they're aware of that. I think they know that. I think that's why they've been connected to Again, for the billionth time, Paul George, OG Ananobi, Zach Levine. I think they know what's happening. Like, you, it's a lot easier, right? If we're sitting here, and I mean, Jeff, I'll ask you this, like, because I know what Tyrese thinks. I don't know, Jeff and, and Sam. Like, if you just took, and I'm not forget what the actual trade would be, but let's just say one for one trade, RJ for OG. Do you think the Knicks are better, even if all the rotations stay the same as they are right now? Like this season? Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah, for sure. Sam? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think like... Yes! If the team... Is, if the <laughs> we team, know what your answer was going to yeah, be, nobody, Tyrese. Nobody cares about you, Tyrese. Uh, you live in Texas. Go vote for Ted Cruz or something. Um, what the... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Damn. Sorry. But like... <laughs> but, but like if that's the case, right, it's a lot easier to stomach Quickly's minutes, not just for us, but for him, too, and his camp and his fucking aunt who's retweeting Zach. And, like, like it's like it's easier to stomach that when you're winning and the guy that's getting a little bit more burn than you is actually actively contributing to that in a consistently positive fashion. It is a lot easier to stomach that. It's harder when you're watching games like tonight in the first half where you're like, is like, I know that the fucking uh, Met scene out in Florida is crazy. Like, what was RJ Barrett doing tonight before the game? Like, you like having thoughts like this. Like, what's going on here? Like, you know, uh, 
did he, you know, have a little fun at the strip clubs last night? Like, I don't know, but it, like, it's it's harder to stomach that right now when you're watching RJ really struggle to like find himself. Whereas if you bring in a guy like OG, who I don't personally think, again, I really don't think it it makes you a contender, but I do think it gives you like a much more solid night to night like baseline. 50, yeah, this is what we do every night. This is what we are every night. Um, you know what you're gonna you, get from him every yeah. night. I think, like, well, to Jeff's point, we talked about Jalen Williams. OG can go one of eight, but he'll probably be playing plus defense. Like, he'll probably get you a couple steals. There's just things he's going to do that, yeah, there's there's just stuff he's going to do that that matters even when he doesn't have a good scoring game. And, unfortunately, RJ doesn't really do that. He did have a really nice steal in the first quarter today. Um, And then we, of course, fucked up the transition opportunity after that. But, like, um, it's what it is. Like, I don't know. I'm not. I don't really. I, don't, I I just like. I'm. I'm not even really mad about it anymore. It just is. It just is. And I think this. This is a good question from Kenny. Uh, Kenny Mayer, uh, which ties into that. Uh, it's rare for a team to make two deadline trades, but if you swap Caruso for Grimes and OG for RJ, how much better than the next Tyrese? What do you think? Significantly. I mean, like you added two of the best seven defenders in the league on one team. Sure. Like, you'd be nuts. Oh. Like, yeah, not to mention plus maybe shooters, maybe. like Caruso's an elite point of attack defender who could guard one to four. OG's a very good man defender who can realistically guard one to five. Like, you would probably be the deepest. I mean, the next world. defense steps up significantly just yes. off rip. Like, think about, like, IQ, OG, and, like, Hartenstein. I mean, I know know he's hurt, but you could reasonably run quickly Caruso, Hart, OG, Mitch, (laughs) which would be be, they'd they'd allow, like, 70 points per 100 possessions. How mad mad do you think Tibbs would be, though, the one time that Jalen Williams gets a switch on quickly? And it's like a contested 16 footer. Quick, what the fuck are you doing? RJ! Julius, Julius, get off the bench. (laughs) Need more size out there. We need more size at the point. Yeah, but like legitimately, you add like some of the best defenders in the league, and like, yeah, the Knicks are going to be a really good team. Um, And they're plus offensive pieces as well. Like, yeah, that'd be a really good, really good deal. Like, they would be. Probably in the Boston tier. I think they would be in the Boston tier. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I, I mean, like you think about it, like again, can't you got to be able to score at a high clip? I don't care how good your defense is in the NBA in 2023, 2024. If you can't compete, you cannot compete at the highest levels without being able to win games both ways. You've got to be able to win games. Both ways, as, as far as I'm I mean, like, if, if I know, I know the example will be Miami. I'm sorry, we have not, we have not made a deal with like the devil to be like, I, I will sacrifice my next 15 generations if you allow me to keep spawning fucking G League, G League difference makers. Like I'm fucking, uh, you know, churning out Urukai and Isengard, where the fuck it is, like. Like the like they, I, this shit is fucking crazy. They had this they had this thing called Jamel Kane put up eighteen points yesterday. Or okay, but like I get what you're saying, but to that point, I'm like, you added 
two, like, well, Cruz is like 67. What do we have to talk to to make sacrifices for the Knicks, by the way? Uh, Dolan Dolan has enough, Dolan has enough kids, right? He's got like five kids. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I mean, I I gotta be honest, I'm closer to Tyrese than to you, Schwinn. In this example, I don't think you have hyper efficient, really good defensive wings. Like, yeah, this is just, I I just, I just really fucking good. My my thing with my problem with this though is that like you say this, which is but this is was like the assumption that we don't have enough shot creation is all under the assumption of like Julius Randle doesn't poop his pants, yeah, and, the, and, right. and we don't know that. Quick, and, like, quickly, yeah, yeah, it, they can't, Dude, yeah. Quick, 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 quickly, quickly wouldn't matter. Quickly's offense wouldn't matter. Yeah, but it's You're also putting, yeah, yeah, that's kind of our map. Well, like, it like, would be if Terry Julius if. Accepted. I'm Schwinn, 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 if Ju- if Julius if Julius plays like this, and we know Jalen can play like this in the playoffs, and you at all times have two of Caruso, OG, quickly Hart on the court with them, with Mitch or like, Hartenstein, yeah, right. They're just gonna super usage Brunson and Randall. All that matters is the shooting off the ball. Like I, I know I'm being overly simp- simplistic. It's it's more difficult than, or excuse me, it's more nuanced than that. But not for Tim's like, innocent, buddy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think they'd be better than Boston. I think Boston is special. Um, I'd be uh, surprised. Like, but, but the thing with Boston is Boston doesn't get to the rim of their jump shooting team, and you would be throwing <laughs> Caruso and OG onto their jump shooters. Another thing with Boston yeah. is that they can go fuck themselves. Um, <laughs> that's true. But like. Again, this is a hypothetical. Man, I wish they lost the other day. Oh my god, God, I was so upset. Poor. It's also hey, we can we can. Did you not? Did you not use that opportunity to make money? That was the freest dude. I was Boston. Boston was plus one seventy five at halftime. How did I cleaned up on that game? That was that was. I was in Florida. I was in the airport. I was. Ah. He was tweeting something to put money on it. It was like (laughs) he couldn't. He couldn't gamble when he was around his girl. Sam, Sam, that, Sam, that, Sam's like Sam's like lie. itching himself at the airport. He's like, ah, oh, get me. <laughs> they don't. I, is, is sports gambling legal now in Florida? Because I know it wasn't. For they Florida. have one. They have one sports book that you can use down there called Hard Rock Bet, and get it's light. and and it's the the app is so ass. Everything is yeah. like super limited and shit. Joe if I do try it out and know the app is ass is like again worrying. Hey. Uh, Gotta find a way to make money. You know what? At least so, it's not horses. This, this is this is. Sorry, go ahead. Finish, Tyrese. Sorry, no. I'm just saying. At least you're not betting on horses. Don't, don't say never. Never say never. <laughs> uh, damn, I bet this one to show. What are you talking about, Tyrese? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one's from Omar Yusuf. What's the likelihood the Knicks can actually trade with Toronto with a lawsuit hanging over both teams? Very Zero. unlikely. It seems unlikely, but it's weird because I feel like. And I don't know what to make of this, but it feels like every rumor I've seen, even currently, doesn't even bring that up as like an obstacle to a trade. It it always just seems to be more about like, well, the Raptors would want fucking, uh, they would want you know Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, three first round picks, and uh, the blood of lamb. Yeah, the and and the and and the uh, the purchasing rights to. Uh, Alone with an obligation to buy for the New York Rangers in three years, like it's just like I, I don't know, but it I I think that's personally a huge obstacle. And even if you settle the lawsuit or get settled, like that's probably still an obstacle as long as Masai and and 
Bobby Webster in charge, but like how long are Bob Messiah and Bobby Webster in charge? And, and the other part of this is like, I'll say this. If the Knicks do really want, like, I don't personally think he's the guy that I think is like, Oh, you got to go get him. But if the Knicks really do want him and Leon Rose was the CAA master, right? He was like the fucking Varus of CAA. Um, like, okay, go make it happen then. Cause he's CAA now. Like, go Sam make Rose it is his agent. Yeah. Like go make it happen. I, I really think it's that simple. Like if the Knicks really want him, I've been, I I've pushed back on this whole, like, Oh, like it's stupid to be like, Oh, they hired Leon Rose just to bring in guys for his connections because it's about building a team. But like, this is an instance where if you fucking want this guy, right. If you want this guy and he's CAA and your fucking son is his agent, his handler at CAA. And let's, let's be clear. Say whatever you want about how the Knicks, how the Knicks, Oh, the Knicks did OB dirty for the first year. They also get, sent him to Indiana, which is where he wanted to go. And they took back, like, they clearly were not playing hardball, right? They took, like, fine, just give us these two second-round picks and let's all move on with our lives. Like, they sent him to where he wanted to go. They did him a solid, right? They Like, so you did him a solid, who is also a Sam Rose client. Sam Rose now has OG Ananobi. If you want OG Ananobi, and I don't know if the Knicks, I don't know if OG Ananobi is truly, like, you know, Fucking, oh God's man! If we if we can't get Joel Embiid or whatever, like we we at least have to be able to get this guy. If he's that kind of level of target, if he is that level of target, though, okay, then you like this is where this is where you your connections should have some like they should be brought to the fore. I mean, maybe not brought to the fore. That would get us. Don't do don't don't bring it to the fore. Definitely keep it under the table. Um. But like, they should matter here. They 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 should matter here. Yeah, yeah. Like, at some point, you can't just keep waiting for the perfect the perfect circumstances. Like, you have to go make something shake. And yeah, would you would you would you guys agree that like, and Schwinn, you kind of talked about this a few episodes ago, but. Would you guys agree that things are are definitely coming to, uh, like, the finish? I don't want to say finish line, but like a tipping point. Like this season is the tipping point, right? Like, yeah. if you had to put a per- if you had to put a percentage to it, that both RJ and Randall, and I guess I'll even include quickly that all three of those guys are on the roster in the starting lineup at uh, the start of next season. It's like zero percent, right? I think RJ. I'll be RJ has been the one guy I've been. I wasn't too surprised he came back this year. Once once they signed DiVincenzo and like, you know, once you get out of the first two weeks of July, you're kind of like, okay, like nothing. If anything major happens, it's usually like one of these loser superstars who's like, oh, I like I, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. You guys haven't made – you haven't helped me compete. Like, eat a dick, bro. Um, but like, I, I'm not – like once that happened, I was not surprised RJ came back. I will be shocked. Like I will, I will genuinely be shocked if RJ Barrett is still on this team to start 2024-25. I will be shocked. Mm-hmm. I, he is like, I know Jeremy has talked about this. I think it's very obvious. If you look at the discrete skills they've targeted in players since they've come on board, 
if you look at advanced metrics, if you look at the things they have valued in the draft in terms of pull-up shooting, spot-up shooting, shooting percentages from three, like all of these things that they value, RJ is the one, he's like the black sheep, right? He doesn't really fit in to that stuff where it's like... Because he's Canadian. Right. He is Canadian, which makes him unique on this team. Um, but like, it's just, I don't, like, he just, he, he's, he's the guy that, that doesn't quite, you know, doesn't quite fit, fit. And like, I thought Mitch initially maybe was one, but Mitch obviously is like, he's an elite rim protector. He's a really awesome offensive. He has amazing elites. Yeah. He has amazing elite skills, right? RJ Barrett has one elite skill, which is getting to the rim. But he is not elite at optimizing it. He's not elite at finishing. He's not elite. Like, we don't need to go through the whole fucking thing again. It's very. Everybody level. else is very good or elite or elite impact. They've all got something, and RJ doesn't. And I just think like the difference between him and Randall is that Randall consistently finds ways to evolve and add things to his game and find ways to be effective. Like his three ball isn't doing so hot this year, but he's still finding ways, right? He's still, he's like reinvented himself for the fucking 75th time in the last four years or something. Like he just finds ways and RJ's the same guy he was four years ago. He's a guy who can drive to the rim. Doesn't finish that well. Not super explosive is an okay to decent team defender who is not a super big needle mover who doesn't maximize his output as a playmaker, even though he's probably the best natural passing talent on the team. Like all these things, he did not developed a three point shot. The one thing he's developed is a decent, he's a good free throw shooter now, even though he's had a, I guess a little bit of a slump, if you want to call that right now. Um, but like, or you know, back to his mean. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It just, who knows, but like, it just, how about, the, how about the Knicks letting quickly take the technical having their Ooh, best free throw shooter. This is this is growth right here. Good job, Knicks. Best free throw shooter. Shoot the technical, I baby. Think, we're... I think what happened though is that Brunson and Randall were complaining about something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they were just like, no, no, quick, fine, go, 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 go. You got it. Yeah, whatever. have fun. <laughs> and then Randall realized, oh shit, I can't stab that. What the fuck are we doing? Uh, I think I think regarding your point, Schwinn, about Randall versus RJ, like on this team that that ship is pretty much sailed. Like in terms of. I guess there was there there was a time in 2022 when there was a fork in the road, in my opinion, and pretty much ever since then, it's just been like there's never going to be a world where RJ makes it work on this team with Randall here, and in my opinion, there's no world where Randall's not here. Like I just and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying Randall's here, um, and I felt that way for a long time. Schwinn knows this. We've talked about it for a long time. I think the Knicks really like him. I think there are a lot of reasons to really like him. Um, and as long as Randall's here, I don't see how RJ, like, I, like we, we could get to the end of this season, which, like we did last season, and very reasonably argue that Julius Randall is the most important player on the team. I think he was the best player on the team last season. I think he deserved to make second team All-NBA. Um, and, like, the... The net swing stats, the impact stats back it up. Yeah, go show. I'm sorry. No, the, the thing with Rand, it's always weird because it's like Randall's the guy for like 43 minutes 
and then the last five minutes of the game, you're like, that's cool. Like, but like, let's, let's go ahead and give the ball to Brunson here now. Um, it, it is interesting that, cause we talk about the, you know, we talk a lot about how, Oh, well, Randall and Brunson don't really have much of a two man game. And I feel like there's an insinuation, an underlying insinuation there that it's Randall's fault. And Randall I think does it's more run, Brunson. It, it really, it's crazy. Like, if you see the quickly Randall two man game yes. in there, because they they used to get no time together. By the way, earlier in the season, Brunson and Randall came out of the game in the first quarter at the same time, and it was Brunson coming back in with the bench units before Randall. So there was pretty much no time when quickly was on the court and Brunson wasn't with Randall, and so you didn't really get to see much of the chemistry between Randall and quickly, and kind of forgot about it. They looked great together tonight, like working that two man action. They, they, quickly they had were- that night. They're always good. Like they've been, like we talked about this two years ago where it was like, you want, like Randall had a fucking horrible, his two, I, I looked at this the other day because I was bored, but it was like, you look at his 21, 22 disaster season, all his lineups. The only player on the team that he had a positive net rating with was quickly. And it's just like now, like the last couple of years, now that Randall's kind of gotten back to where he was the year before, like when those two play off, I mean, you go back and watch that Hawks game, right? Where they were down, whatever it was, seven in the fourth quarter, we come back and win. But they came back and won. Basically, like they got themselves back into it, just running quickly. Randall two man game. Um, those two have like he's the one guy that I think him, him and Fournier and him and Bullock had like their own weird chemistry. But it was more like Randall just being like, "Okay, I'm I need an assist now. Come here," and like that, like I shoot the ball. And I think quickly does some of that, but I think quickly also knows how to use him as a screener. To like, he can dribble, which Reggie Bullock couldn't. Right. Well, he like he draws a switch, and then now he can feed Randall a mismatch in the post. Mm -hmm. And I think Randall, like, he appreciates that and they understand that. And Randall, he's the one guy. He is literally the one fucking guy in the team. Randall will roll for. He rolled for him today. He fucking rolled for him today. I was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. (laughs) Like, I had fucking tears. Like me and (laughs) Tyree FaceTime. We had tears streaming down our eyes. I was like, wow, this man rolled to the rim. I cannot believe what I just saw. No, literally. And- I was like, he freaking hates every other ball handler to see for some quickly. Because quickly plays basketball the Jesus way. <laughs> he also, uh, he also for a guard, is a really good screener himself. And Randall has begun leveraging that. Oh. Like, like, quickly tries screening for everybody. And Brunson's pretty good at leveraging it too. But like when that that bucket that Randall got in the first half, it was entirely because of the quickly double screen. He 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 tried to force the switch. Randall didn't uh, attack so that they were able to switch back. And quickly was just like, okay, I'll go back and screen the big again. And Randall stepped into a wide open baseline jumper. I'm literally uh, looking at the roll right now. It's beautiful. Like legitimately great two man action just into a, the most serendipity roll of all time. This is what um, God intended. This is how Nate Smith envisioned basketball. <laughs> look at like Tyrese loves citing white men when he's talking about basketball. <laughs> Sam Merrill, guys, you don't get it. <laughs> Justinian Jessup, you wouldn't understand. You had to be there. <laughs> uh, this is from Omar Yusuf. Knicks can reasonably trade for OG now and have enough for Mitchell in the offseason. 2024 and 2027 20, first. Plus whatever needed, and still have 2025, 2029, 2031 still available for trade this summer. I will let Tyrese go because I know this is kind of his thing. I mean, they should not trade for Mitchell, but like, 
Yeah, I mean, they have enough to make two trades. Is it Mr. Met your guy? No. I mean, <laughs> at one point, yeah, but like, no. Also, we don't talk about the Mets. The Mets stink. I don't want to talk about that team until like 2025. But like, I'm so serious. I don't want to talk about baseball. I'm not even watching baseball next year. Um, yes, you are. You're going to, I'm going to, you know, I, I actually had to mute Mets on my Twitter a couple years ago because like every day at some random time, it'd be like 3 p.m., there would just be like 35 tweets in a row, just like, LFGM. <laughs> I don't want to see this shit. Sorry. <laughs> uh, those are the M pleasing tweets. Sorry. Um no, but like okay, what was I saying? Uh yeah, they can make two trades. They have enough to make two trades. Like that Bucks pick is valuable. The Mavs pick will convey. Um I don't really care about like the wizards or uh pistons pick but like <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> but like they have enough to make two trades they should they have enough to like make two trades and that's before they like clean out all of their assets and they still have second round picks and they have guys who can like get them picks if need be so their asset bank is not dry you had to mute Mr. Avery because that's when they win the World Series. Fuck off. <laughs> we won 101 games two seasons ago. Leave us alone. What did you guys show for it? <laughs> Whatever, dog. Whatever, dog. Another choke to the Astros. Whatever. When when is, Have the Mets won a championship in your lifetime? What is your problem? <laughs> Fine. See, this is where you could just be like, have the Bills? I'd be like, fuck you. I mean, but like, that's implied. <laughs> Look, man, I'd trade that whole fucking dynasty of uh, Yankees titles I grew up watching for fucking one Bill Super Bowl because I don't watch baseball anymore. I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe I was just like, yeah, the Yankees got four when I was young. This is good. I'm, I'm. How do you think I thought the Giants won two? And I was like, oh, this, this is how it's going to be the rest of my life. No. No, yeah, I'm still like, struggling. You're so annoying about the Giants. You act like the world's ending every day. They stink, and Tommy DeVito ruined our season. Did he? You guys are you guys are probably still gonna end up with top five pick. Great, we're gonna get not Drake May. Well, Jeff thinks that's a great thing for you. I agree. <laughs> you want Jaden Daniels? Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I'm probably. You think we're going to take a black quarterback? Have you seen my John Mara taking a black quarterback? Are you kidding me? He's just going to be like, who's who's that field hand over there? Me and, <laughs> Why me, 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 and John, me, and, me and John don't see skin color, Tyrese. You know? so, so. <laughs> yeah, All right. I had. Uh, <laughs> actually, did you see that quote from a Michigan assistant today? Where they asked him something and he was like, you know, it's funny. I grew up, uh, you know, I'm married to a, a white woman. And he's like, so I don't really see color. I was like, really? That's where you went with this? Like, you don't, I don't see color. Okay. All right, pal. Let's go on. Uh, all right. We can do this. Actually, Tyrese, I want to hear yours. Well, I want to hear Randall trade proposals, you cowards. That's from Walt Clyde Fraser. Randall trade proposals? I mean, at the very least, I'm going to need one unprotected pick, one protected pick, and eight unprospect. Like, Okay. Uh, I think it would. I would do like Jalen Johnson. Give me matching salary. Give me an unprotected pick. And yeah, I don't even need a protected. They have have that. They have that Kings pick, right? Give me. Give me the Kings pick. 
Great. I would do something like that. Um, I I gotta look at teams real quick. I know like, Jeff. Jeff would be like in heaven if we traded for Jalen Johnson. If we traded for Jalen Johnson, he, he just he got a so bottle good. of lotion out there. He was just. <laughs> you don't need to tell me, man. That's <laughs> that dude's good, man. That guy is fucking good. His yeah. defense is so good. Holy shit. Imagine if they had a scheme that made any sense. Dude, that's that's so weird. Not to, you know, that's like literally one of the luckiest things that's ever happened to me is we did the first episode of Hot Hand Theory. We were talking about the fucking Hawks. And I was just like, the fuck am I going to talk about the Hawks? And randomly, like, I do some research. And I was like, eh, I kind of like Jalen last year. And I just, like, went on this rant about how, like, I feel felt like the Hawks were in purgatory. And I was like, they, they're not going to win anything this year. And if they want this year to mean something, they have to throw Jalen Johnson in the starting lineup. And they did that after two games. Like, I know, like, probably not a lot of people watch the episode, but shit, man, I, I probably look pretty smart in that. That was pretty cool. I mean, I thought they actually did the right thing this summer by dumping Collins, moving on. And I'm like, honestly, I got to say, like, Quinn Snyder is clearly not doing a good job. Uh, we shit on our players all you want, but, like, the fact that Trey Murphy is having, or sorry, Trey Murphy, Jesus, that Trey Young is having a greater impact defensively right now than DeJounte Murray, and it's cool to shout on DeJounte Murray, but like that is so fucking bananas. And it's like that has to speak to some level of just like you are not utilizing your defensive talent properly at all. And I, I haven't watched them closely enough to say, other than, other than the two times that we waxed them by two points uh, a piece. <laughs> but like, I got to think that he is running their defense like Capella is Rudy Gobert or Kongu is Rudy Gobert. And then he like, he's like, wait, what? Just block the shot. Just fucking stop that. Like, what? why aren't you doing the thing that I need you to do? And they're like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like I, that, that team is definitely like, it's cool to make fun of them. I a hundred percent, a hundred percent think they're underperforming their talent level right now. Yeah. They're underperforming, their, they're underperforming their point differential, which usually does speak to either luck or some level of coaching malpractice. Yeah. Trey Young's in the 45th percentile in defensive EPM. That has to be the highest he'll ever be. Like, he must actually be trying. <laughs> I just think he's doing, like, I mean, I haven't watched them enough, but I feel like he's doing as much as he can do as far as, like, showing, stunting, recovering, like, Look, he's so tiny, and he doesn't even have a good wingspan, like, quick, right? And he's never going to be as active as quick on that end because he can't. Like, he's doing too much offensively to be that active defensively, and why the hell would you want Trey Young to be, like, expending all this energy on defense? But, yeah, like, he's definitely trying harder. Even offensively, I think, like, he's never going to be a great off-ball player, but I think he's doing a better job than I've seen him do before in the past. Yeah, I mean, like, also the Hawks just think, so whatever. Um... But yeah, like if we're, I would need like an unprotected pick of some kind, and then like a prospect and match necessarily. Like for Charlotte, give me a pick, give me PJ Washington, and give me like another matching salary, and I would do that. PJ Washington is so bad this year, like so bad. I've seen fucking like the three Hornets fans that ever come across my timeline are just like constantly talking about how bad PJ Washington has been this year. And on a team that is obviously terrible, like, I don't know, maybe that's just he's catching bullets or catching whatever, because like he's the guy that got paid and, and 
you know, they, they can't talk about Miles Bridges because what is there to say about Miles Bridges? Uh, but like, maybe There's that's why. Yeah, there is a lot. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's just maybe that's part of it, but I don't know. He's been terrible when I've seen him. And he was, I mean, he played that game in the garden. What was he? He had like, was it, it was like, was it the game in the garden or the one in Charlotte where he looked like, he had like two points. He was <laughs> walking around. It was, I don't know. They're, they're a mess. So maybe he goes to a better environment, but I would, I would need way more than PJ Washington in a first from Charlotte. If I was going to do that, like Julius, let's be real, man. We can sit here and sh- like be critical of his playoff performance. There are at least 13 teams in the NBA every year that would love to have Julius Randle in the regular season. Love to have Julius Randle in the regular season. And acting like that doesn't matter is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. Fucking DeRozan got traded to the fucking Bulls, and they were throwing a fucking parade because, oh, the Bulls went for it, and, like, they had a great half a season. Like, let's stop. Like, I'm I'm calling bullshit on the idea that Julius Randle will not command any interest if you put him on the market. I'm ready to call bullshit on that. I don't – I think it's total nonsense. I think it's absolute bullshit. And I think – I think a team like Indiana would – Definitely like to have Julius Randle. I will throw that out there. I think they would 100% love to have Julius Randle. Or Obi. Yeah, but if you yeah, that'd be funny. But if you put Randle, <laughs> send Obi back in the trade. Uh, but if you if you if you legit put if you put Randle next to Miles Turner with the spacing they have, that team is ludicrous. It's BFF too. That's crazy. Yeah. It's Lego yeah. man. <laughs> hey, don't, don't sleep on Legos. Legos are fun. All right, I, man. I've become one of those people now. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I see. I just see a lot of. Te- I, I feel like I see a lot of. I don't know. You guys. I'm, I'm only. I'm. I feel like I see a lot of fucking fans of teams bitch about their power forward spot very specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just I find it very hard to believe that if the Knicks were like, all right, we're open up Julius Randle offers, they wouldn't get legit offers for him. I think they 100% would get legit offers for him. Last summer, I wasn't sure. I definitely, I think they would have had to pay to get off his contract two summers before. Right now, if they put him on the market, I think they would definitely get value for him, right? Like, no question. For sure. Which is why they, which is why they won't. <laughs> yeah, it's the never-ending cycle of... This is the never-ending cycle, yeah. I think I had a, I remember we had a, like, we had Derek uh, Reefer on the pod a couple years ago. And he was just like, I never know where the Knicks are with Julius Randle. Like, it's like, it feels like every time they they want to trade him, then you can't trade him. But then when they should maybe want to trade him is also when they're like, Still no, but he's so time. good. He's so. so good. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard. I get it. Like, it is hard to manage that. And like, I, I'm fa- I, I'm not lying, man. I, I think this these last four, these last six quarters of basketball he's played, have been so impressive to me given the level of competition and just everything. And like, I don't know. I, I've been really, really impressed. I always played the last six quarters. Is he sucking you back in? Pause. Pause. <laughs> I specifically <laughs> use that verbiage. We know. Yeah, we know. We know. That's all you've been doing on this, uh, on this rundown so far. Not too much hosting going on over there. Sam. I am getting back into form. I just came back from vacation. <laughs> Yeah, we get his honeymoon. Yeah, get. All right, enough of the honeymoon <laughs> jokes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just training Randall's hard, and um, I don't know. I 
it's just it's hard. I, I get it. Like it's not even gonna happen. Pascal like Pascal is like this too, which is why like I think it's I think it's crazy Toronto waited to this point to even seriously consider trading him because it's like, well, what the fuck were you doing? If they trade him last year, they would have gotten a real good value. For they would have gotten the third overall pick. Well, they also probably would have tried to overplay their hand and never agree to a deal as well. How, how, what is the data like on Pascal right now, Jeff? Because I know you and uh, XJ talked about mm-hmm. it a couple of weeks ago, maybe on the pod, and it was like... He stinks. Well, he's, 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 he's so weird, though. His three-point shooting stinks, but he's still like amazing inside the arc somehow, and he does his flailing ah, to get to the line mm-hmm. constantly. One of the most absurd foul drawers in the league, by the way. Ah, Giants of Africa. Ah. <laughs> him, him and KP has the other worst one that I I hate his. Uh, I got my ass beat with Latin. He does the one where he goes, ah. no, he, makes his, he makes this weird sound where he's like, Ah, like he throws hands, he's like, eh. It works though. It works though. You gotta it's give him credit. So annoying. For that, right? Yeah, because he's fucking white. It wouldn't work. <laughs> it like, like if like... Randall did that shit, they well, would Pascal is as dark as Randall and it works yeah. for him. So. Yeah, but like yeah. he's for it. He's yeah. for it. Wow. I, I know Tyrese wanted to use a different adjective. <laughs> <laughs> so we're saying they're reverse xenophobic? Yes. <laughs> No, no, they're not. No, they're they they're not xenophobic because they we, reward. We hate dark. Yeah, we hate dark skinned Americans who they love Pascal Siakam. Dark skinned Americans, oh. uh, except for Michael Jordan <laughs> and LeBron James. You mean a gambler and a pathological liar? Wow! Wow! LeBron's lies are really good. LeBron's lies are probably the best. Yeah, yeah. I saw. I saw him warming up. I said seventy. <laughs> yeah, all right, bro. <laughs> sucks. The funniest one is the sucks one. <laughs> like, there's no reason for these lies, too. That's the best part. Like, they do nothing. They're like not. They're Dude, so no, funny. This is a, this is a human being who nobody has said no, LeBron, you're wrong for like 30 <laughs> years. Not a single. Can you imagine going 30 years doing whatever you want, whenever you want, and not a single person being like, actually, like, no, that's no. He, dude, he he could. There, there's like this South Park episode where Cartman and it's the fish sticks episode. If if you've seen it, Schwinn, where where they write the fish sticks joke and Jimmy and Carbon write the fish sticks joke. <laughs> And then Carmen, by the end, is such a sociopath that he convinces himself that he wrote it alone and nobody else was responsible for it. That's LeBron. Like, LeBron could convince himself of anything right now. And it, like, and that's – I think that's totally normal, actually. Like, it's, it's not even – I mean, it is his fault. But, like, dude, when you do whatever you want for 30 years, it's pretty easy to just be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually – I, I knew Jalen, so I was going to hit that half court. I, I saw he was dribbling, dude, and, like, he, he just looked like he – like it's just he just had it. Then uh, the honestly the best LeBron lies, oh, the best one, like not even close. I think it's easily the best one because it's it's so fucking ridiculous. Was during the bubble when he showed up to his the Malcolm X book. Oh yeah, my the Malcolm. God. X. What was your favorite part? And he's like, oh, you know, just fucking. Solid. He started rambling about different. Yeah. He just gave you the meanest word salad ever. Just all of it when he's talking about like about discrimination and like what we're society. going through right now. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you gotta be kidding. At least get like the fucking cliff notes before, so you can kind of oh, just bullshit so it makes sense. 
this is actually I, I mean, this is a good clarification. My poem this is from also from Omar Yusuf. Uh, my poem was, was more about how you can make a significant move this season and still have enough for a star trade this summer, not necessarily these exact players. Um, I just, I think OG just, if you're going to do like the two thi- like two guys thing, I do feel like OG's probably has to be one of the guys because he feels like somebody that even if Masai is going to trade him, It'll be like what, two unprotecteds, like maybe, or probably that'll be the max, and that should still leave you with the ammo to get another guy in a in a year. And that's kind of where I think they might go, which is why, honestly, like trading for OG around RJ in some capacity then extending quickly and then you use quick and grimes and picks to get the other guy seems like a viable path for the record. I want to just say this for the record. I would fucking hate it because I would just feel like we're doing mercenary, very like calculated cold blooded team building stuff. But in that vein of like building a championship team, that's not the most absurd order of operations. And to be fair, you'd still have in that in that scenario, you theoretically maybe still have guys like Hart, DiVincenzo, Mitch, Hartenstein that you could also include in a trade. So like you would have options to throw in there, which is not a, I mean that's still a pretty good place to be. Schwinn, how come we haven't heard anything from you about Ohio State embarrassing itself tonight? Uh I have been scrolling twitter on the side after i searched ryan day and it's been fantastic (laughs) it's been great they scored three points uh but you know maybe you know maybe missouri stole their signals and that's what it was all about because really that's who you know once somebody steals your signals which only michigan has ever done what are you gonna do right certainly couldn't win a game once in three years with having top 10 (laughs) talent all across your team you know imagine having a team that had cj stroud Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Emeka Buka, still losing. It's tough. It's hard, you know. Um, couldn't couldn't be you. Yeah, couldn't. It, it actually could not be me. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I mean, before we move on to this question from Jordan Bob, do you guys think like, I mean, is there somebody other than OG that fits the type of bill that you're talking about? I think like Crusoe fits the same thing, but he's not the same size so it is different because because in theirs in when you're comparing those players i actually do think size is relevant because you're getting them so much for their defensive value mm-hmm. um and as much as i know that crusoe's defended fours i do think it's different than like what og kind of is able to do they've used him a small ball five nurse used him as a fucking small ball five in the bubble like you can't mm-hmm. do that with caruso actually i don't think anyway. Um, there is another like three, four hybrid that, um, is a really good defender, really good team basketball player, DeMar DeRozan. I've seen some packages about this <laughs> around him. Oh, they could, right. that would be a good acquisition. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have anyone else who would be remotely available. Like I think OG is definitely head and shoulders 
uh, from both an impact standpoint and just like um, from what they're looking for for that role. I think he's just way better than anybody else they could get. And I, mean, I, I, I don't, I don't I, love his politics, but like, what about? I, I'm curious. Like, what about Jonathan Isaac? I just see more as a pure four. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't four see. Five, I, 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 if Tibbs, if Tibbs learned something tonight and was like, hey, like, because like he was willing to play rent, maybe, and I, I'm not saying this is right. Maybe part of the reason he's been so unwilling to play Randall at the five is because they don't even they're, they, they're four is then Josh Hart. Like they're really small with Randall at the five. Mm-hmm. But maybe if you get Jonathan Isaac and all of a sudden some of your backup units are Randall at the five and Isaac at the four and like Tibbs is okay with that because Randall's such, or Isaac's such a good defender and such a good rim protector, there's merit to it then. But I think that would have to be a very extreme condition. If you were training for Jonathan Isaac just to be like your backup three next to Josh Hart or whatever, your backup four with Josh Hart then sliding to three and that's all he's going to be, like that that's not close to what OG Ananobi would do, in my opinion. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I'm in, I'm in the same boat as like just any type of three and D guy that can profile at like that three, four or four, five sort of hybrid. Um, because we know the type of role that Dibs has in place for anyone that's not really Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel Quickly, or Julius Randle. So you kind of just want to fill those roles with players that play those roles really, really well. Yep. I just, yeah, I can't really think of anybody else unless you want to like start gambling on like size, like DeAndre Hunter. And that's kind of like the only person who would kind of fit the bill of like six, eight, multiple three and D wing. And that's already a head case in and of itself. So. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll get both Murray and Hunter. You just just said DeAndre Hunter. Get the fuck out of here, Tyrese. You're so washed, bro. (laughs) I don't know, man. Like they tried it with Cam Reddish. Has there been anything has, has has there been anything funnier than the back and forth between the RJ Hive and the Hawks fan Hive about which pick was better from that draft? <laughs> like literally, like literally, like once, like like once a month, the one person from the Hive will be like, "Oh, DeAndre Hunter," oh, and then the other side will pop in, and all they do is ba- all they do is shit on the other. Now side imagine they the get talk. traded for each other; it'd be hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, Omar just, and this is worth pointing up. Um, I, I said that you'd have to wait a year. You wouldn't have to wait a year. 2031 opens up the summer, so you could actually do both. You can trade effectively 2024, 2027 now, and then you'd have 2025, 2029, 2031 to include in the summer if you wanted to make another big move. Um, this is uh, from Jordan Bubb. What is the panel? What is panels? What is each, I guess, each panel member's Knicks-related New Year's resolution that you hope slash wish the team would apply for the rest of the season? Wow. <laughs> Um, Start quickly, send RJ back to Canada. It's <laughs> um, not a resolution. That's like giving them like that's deportation. Yeah, that... <laughs> I would. I want them to. Um, I would like Tom Thibodeau to rewatch this Bro, game three times. Yeah, well, that would be nice. Uh, <laughs> but I would like him to rewatch this game tape three times. And I would like him to ask himself, 
what was different about what he did in the fourth quarter versus what was different about what he did in any of the previous three quarters? And why did that seem to result in the Knicks seemingly actually having a chance to win the fucking game? That's what I would like. That would be my New Year's resolution is for Tom Thibodeau to actually watch the game tape three times and ask himself questions that are not questions that he already has answers to that he wants the answers to, but questions that he maybe doesn't have the answers to and now has information on. So maybe consistently asking yourself new questions. That's, that would be my New Year's resolution for the Knicks and for Tom Thibodeau very specifically. Um, so I have an art. I have, I, I have an article coming out for Strickland with a New Year's resolution for every single rotation player and coach. So I'm gonna sit on that. I'm gonna sit on that. Uh, and whatever, I'll push it right now. You know, if anybody's wants to do some reading, I'm bringing out the old type typewriter. And yeah, I think it's gonna be pretty good. So I'll move on to Tyrese and Sam. Tyrese already uh, gave I, his was the closest. I guess the I got. I guess just Sam since Tyrese is, is deport a human being. <laughs> so to know Tyrese's resolution is vote for Trump. <laughs> vote for Trump. <laughs> All right. Tyrese's resolution is stricter immigration policies. <laughs> I'm just Greg Abbott. Register as a Republican. <laughs> he's he, he's secretly down there in Texas trying to get that wall finished, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been going to work for it. I'm not gonna lie. We're gonna build the biggest the biggest wall. It'll be the best wall by the best people. <laughs> by the best people. <laughs> um, my resolution is, of course, Emmanuel quickly re- related. Um, find a way to get him more minutes in any capacity, literally. Yeah, I mean, my my resolution for him before my resolution for him before these last couple of games would have been like, bro, the the cornrows are not working. Like, yes, <sighs> yes, thank God he went back to the twist. Yeah, thank you. Like enough. Like it was just he tried it. God bless your heart. Like it ain't that ain't you, bro. The problem is like it's now his picture for the rest of the season, and it pisses me off. Is it? Yes, because his headshot. He did. They like retook the headshots. Oh yeah, the Knicks to retook headshots in like like a couple weeks ago or something like that mm-hmm. to include the sphere on the on the thing. You just call it the sphere. Sphere, whatever it's called. <laughs> All right, you know what? <laughs> I think with Omar's comment there. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna end things off <laughs> it's a good resolution to be fair oh omar omar must be omar must be single because or not married because i'm not sam married. sam's 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 married now and the sex goes down after marriage so <laughs> not <laughs> That's what somebody married would <laughs> You went to Florida. You think they respect their wives? Oh my god. Sam Sam, <laughs> Sam definitely Sam takes his ring off when he does the post game show. Oh right. <laughs> Where's your ring? I just, you know these kids, babe. You know, like they <laughs> They don't respect the institution. <laughs> Are you gonna like hyphenate your last name? All right. You know what? Let's uh, let's, let's end with let's end with JL's question because we haven't yeah. talked about the game at all. Are we excited yes. for the Obi Bowl? Okay, so I 
I put a bet down that if Obi scores 15 points or more, I'm going to get an Obi jersey, an Indy City jersey. So I need us to play you, defense like we're the 0-4 Pistons. Good luck with that, bro. <laughs> um, we bleed 115 a night. <laughs> and that's we, on a good night. <laughs> we spawn giving up 115 right now. So. Uh, and with the Pacers, that's like 125 minimum. Yeah, Mikey has it clipped, so I can't even say no. <laughs> Did you bet with Mikey? Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, that I, game is going to be... I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for this game because the styles are so contrasting. Yep. If the Knicks... And, and last year with the Knicks... Actually, what I find very interesting is in the games last year, if you go back and watch them, Halliburton didn't play the, the last two. He got injured halfway through the second one. Um, the Knicks made a pretty awesome comeback in the first game in Indianapolis. But in the second game, they were down like 20 when Halliburton went out. The Knicks were just smoking them. And Halliburton looked – I mean, that was as bad as I've ever seen him play. He was terrible in that game. But the Knicks have had this ability when Tyrese Halliburton's played, at least when he played last year, to drag him back into the to you know drag him into the mud, just turn it into a fucking ugly game, control the pace, all that stuff. Halliburton's a better player this year than he was last year. He's definitely developed, definitely more capable of imposing his will in a game in that sense. To me, this all comes down to pace. If the Knicks can control the pace this game, I think they will win this, and I. I'm just I'm going to I think the Knicks are going to win this game. I feel like they are going to be super locked in after losing this game to Orlando. I think I think there's some good like I don't think it's bad blood, but I do think there's some real like some good blood. Yeah, and like it's it's like friendly but like genuine competition like Let's like Brunson isn't stupid. He's not blind. He's not he, he's not deaf. He sees what people have said. I'm sure he saw what people say were saying during FIBA, right? About him and Halliburton. Sure, I'm sure he saw what people were saying at the start of this year. I am also sure that Randall Mr. Randall, 40. I think Julius Randall is going to if, if if Julius Randall plays smart and doesn't just play to dominate his advantage, he will score 40 tomorrow. Like, he will dominate that game. I know Miles Turner is a hell of a shot blocker. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I think Julius Randle is going to go nuts. What are Is that all his overs? No, I put Julius Randle 40, Jalen Brunson 35. What's the payout? Um, It's plus 5,000 right now. Oh, damn. I feel I feel I also think it's possible that Randall could dominate this game in a way that involves him getting like nine assists. Randall ten assists. There yeah. we go. I would my, take a Randall triple double. My my fear for this game, um, because you're right. The I mean, the Pacers are going to go at Jalen Brunson coming off a bad game with Andrew Nemhard. Um, that's not going. That's that's not, <laughs> not going to work out well for them. 
And then they're also going to try to guard Julius Randle with Aaron Neesmith, who is good defensively. He's also pretty scrawny for a power forward. I also don't like him. He's just a fucking prick. He just, like, is a real tryhard now. That's his thing since he got traded from the Celtics. He's, like, a tryhard. And he just does things like an asshole that are, like, kind of borderline He's super annoying. He's super annoying. annoying. Sorry, go ahead. Um, So that's – I think that's going to go well for the Knicks. I – I don't see them struggling on offense. Tyrese Halliburton is legitimately one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Like legitimately, his defense is it's way worse than Jalen Brunson's defense. Is he He's first off. percentile or second percentile now? First it's percentile. like it's like it's like fourth <laughs> right now. Um, Wait, no, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's fourth. Um, oh Did no, it's third. It's, 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 the other it's, night, by the way, it's th- it's third. Um, my fear is. The, the stuff you were talking about, Schwinn, with how we've had a little bit of success against Halliburton, that's with Grimes. And right now, yeah. the Knicks the Knicks in the starting lineup, who, as we saw tonight, they're going to play, you know, the first seven, seven, eight minutes of a quarter. They don't really have anybody at the point of attack to, uh, the, at least not to Grimes' capability, give Halliburton issues. And to pair that, or to mitigate that, we know what Tibbs does. He has the weak side low men waiting to stunt. The thing is, is that Halliburton is one of the best passers to the corner that there is. So I feel like we're going to be kind of leaving ourselves at the mercy of three-point variance. And maybe that's a good thing, but I do th- I do see Halliburton creating a lot of open threes for teammates. And whether they go in or not is going to dictate how this game goes on that side of the court for the Knicks. There are certain guys, they're a good shooting team, but there are certain guys that you can, that you should be daring. If you're going to help off, there are guys you need to help off of. Matherin being one. Um, Dude, fucking, I, I don't care what Miles Turner's stats say. I feel like every single, time he, every, time. every single time he shoots, I feel like this ball is more likely to hit the ceiling than it is to go in. <laughs> he shoots so high. And I just like, I just never am like, oh shit, Miles Turner's open. That sucks. He I know he's but against go. us. Yeah, but he just I know he doesn't have the gravity. Like there, like it's so funny because I think is he shooting forty percent again from three this year? Um, I, I don't know what he's shooting, and it's like, it's but it's funny because last year he shot forty percent, and I think Porzingis obviously shot really well from three last year. But like, it's just funny. I'm like every time I watch, like I, I'm just like, there's I don't care what these guys' percentages are. There's such an obvious difference in the gravity of them as shooters, and like. I am so happy. Like, if I would dare Miles Turner to shoot 15 threes tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, take 15 threes. Take take 15, and if you make six, we'll live with it. You got got to make six at least. Him and Buddy the Beaver, man. Buddy (laughs) is the one I'm worried about. Buddy I'm always worried about because he's just, like, so random. He'll have one game where he goes, like, over five, as I will know. Um, very oh, well. Wh- why would you know that? <laughs> I think you all know why. <laughs> there's games Pacers, where he goes over Pacers, five, and there's games where he goes five for 12. Pacers fans do not like Buddy. Like, they like him as a person, but they're very frustrated with him on the basketball court. I think it's to what you were talking about, Sam, to, to the inconsistency. Yeah. I also think he's doing the thing where, like, he thinks every time he touches the ball is it's his time to shoot. Yeah, it's 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 his time, and it's just not how it works. It's buddy um, time. But you, there again, like, there, there are certain guys to help off of on their team, and there are certain guys not to help off of. 
I think you help off Turner. I don't. Again, I agree. With, I don't care what his percentages are. I just dare him to shoot a bunch. You help off Matherin. You help off McConnell when he's in the game. Um, I kind of think you can help off Nemard because I don't. I don't think, think McConnell's gonna play because he didn't play the last couple games since Nemard's been back. Oh, okay. So I, I think you can help off Nemard. Thank I, God. I think. Yeah, he is the most annoying. I actually think we'll win now just because he's not playing. He's the reason they fucking came back into that game after Halliburton got injured last year. Um, but yeah, I think I think Nemard is a guy you can help off of because he doesn't necessarily want to shoot a bunch of threes. Um, but yeah, they're they're a difficult team. They're going to get points. That's what it is. The Knicks are going to have to score tomorrow. Um, but like, let's be real. Like, this is if you ever are going to need like. If there's ever a game for RJ to actually just play well, this is a game for him. Like, and I understand Miles Turner is a really right awesome, game. This, I know Miles Turner is a really good rim protector, but like, come the fuck on, bro. Like, none of these guys on on Indiana should be strong enough to stop him from getting to the rim. I feel like RJ's had really good games against Indiana in the past too. Yes, he, he has had some of his better games against Indiana. So like, just and hopefully this fourth quarter tonight can actually serve as some kind of like momentum. Yeah, he'll have like a good two week stretch here or something. Um, that'd be nice. But yeah, I mean, I do. I I don't know. I just have a feeling about this. I I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Nick's money line tomorrow. I'm taking it. I'm in. I was in on that tonight, so I guess I have to double down tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have to. to. <laughs> no, I mean, but no, but like Thibodeau, Jalen, Julius, I don't know. Are they really going to like coming off this game? I feel like everyone feels expects like, it just feels the day like right before moment, New Year's right? Eve. Yeah. It just feels like a, a thing, right? It just feels like something about it. You're like, eh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't what, know what it is. It just feels like it. I, so the, the Knicks are, they're plus 136 in the money line right now on FanDuel. Whoa, what? Time. Yeah. So does that mean they're like two to three point underdogs? Three and a half point underdogs. What? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Dude, I mean, we're, we're, just... we're on a back to back. It's Indiana. I, can Indiana. I just I, can I just throw this out there? There are certain back, they... there are certain back to backs that I think like really matter, and I know their main guys played a lot tonight, and Julius was exhausted tonight. I. I don't know what it is. I just think this is not a back-to-back where I expect them to be, like, dead and not have any juice. Like, I think they're going to have juice for this game. I really do. Um, And also, a low-key thing that kind of helps a little bit, Iheart did not play a lot tonight. He's going to play a lot. He will play a lot tomorrow. And we kind of need him for miles. I think think he's going to be really good tomorrow. Uh, I I think iHeart will have a very good game. I think he'll be very motivated to have a good game, too. Brunson, Halliburton, Buddy, five threes. Let me see how much that gives you. <laughs> Thanks for giving me the idea, by the way. <laughs> Wait, Brunson, Halliburton, and who? And Buddy, five threes each. Add Turner, three threes. Psst, cook it. Add Julius, yeah, two. Right there. Yeah. And then... Miles, three? Add- Add there's quickly. wait there wait there's one more there's there's one wow more. that's a add, crazy payout add, add quickly to steal your heart no add no, no no add divincenzo he just had a bad game he won't have two bad games add divincenzo three 
I can't. He's not, he's not listed right now, but oh, fuck that. They'll list him like ten minutes before the game, so that way no one can put him on on their slip. But just with Tyrese, Buddy, and Jalen for five, and Miles with three, that's plus seventy six thousand. Well, the that's Buddy enough. five is a big fucking number, bro. Yeah, it's a big like. What's, what Buddy three? What's Buddy three? Yeah. All right, let me change that to Buddy three. Because Buddy 3 by itself is minus 190, but it's still a plus 34,000 payout. With I, Yeah, do that. Do that. Shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at um, his... With five on it to win 1.7K. Sheesh. So, Buddy in his last... Dude, that, dude. And... I don't know. I don't know, Schwinn. How, I mean... Buddy's last four games from three, five of 10, three of 11, five the of volume, 11, five, the volume is five there. of 13. He's averaging like 12 threes a game. The last four games. I think the Knicks are doing a pretty, I think the Knicks will run him off the line. I feel like he'll be a guy that's on the scouting report for them. But still, okay. that is still a pretty good payout for those numbers. I mean, you, right could, you could also just put five on both. True. Just win, just win 5K, you know, like just win 5K, go go to Scoop City. (laughs) Oh, man. You guys are tempting me. Um, Updated, updated net swing numbers for the Knicks. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Should we get, should we get into that now? Yeah, let's just, just drop them real quick. Let's. (laughs) Quickly leads the team at plus 12.1 per hundred possessions. Hart second, plus 10.2 per 100 possessions. Hartenstein third, all the way down at plus 5.1 per 100 possessions. The uh, the yeah, top two are, are distancing themselves a lot. It's probably just a big coincidence, though. Randall fourth, plus 2.7 per 100. Mitch fifth, plus 1.6 per 100 possessions. That is it for the positives. Brunson, minus 1.1 per 100 possessions. RJ, minus 5.2 per 100 <laughs> Grimes minus 5.6 per hundred. DiVincenzo minus 8.4 per hundred. What was RJ? Minus 5.2 per hundred. Yeah, he's good. Him and him and Grimes are gonna are gonna cross pads. They're gonna cross words pretty soon. The 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 uh looking at the looking at the different sides of the ball is pretty interesting. Like Brunson, Brunson's a negative overall. But the offense just kind of dies without him on the court. He's very clearly the offensive engine. Um, so I, I want to throw this out there. I have a really big issue with how they're running the offense right now when both him and Randall are off the floor. Because they keep doing this weird thing with Hart as like Hart brings the ball up. And then the and then like they have like a quick come off this fucking curl to get well, it it's the, the that, That's their new play. We've talked about the Schwinn. Yeah. Every single year, Tibbs comes to camp like Mozart with one new play that he just like runs <laughs> into the ground until it doesn't work anymore. His new play is to have quickly on the weak, the weak corner and then have one of the low guys screen off ball for him and then quickly gets a three that way. He's gotten a couple threes this year. Yeah, and the, the, I, it, it hasn't worked in a few games. Do you think that he's done this more since Hartenstein's gone out? Because I do think he has. And I do think it's directly related to that. Because you see... Like they are not respecting Todd. Like the, the stupid thing is, he thinks Todd has to be the screener if you want to pick and roll. Yeah. So like, he doesn't, and he can see, and he's right. 
that when Quick runs the pick and roll with Taj, they're just trapping quickly, basically. Like they're just sending yeah. two to the ball. And they're almost like daring him to throw a pocket pass Taj, which maybe you could make the pocket pass. Maybe you should. But I also am cool with him being like, Todd, you're like 7,000 years old, bro. Give it up. Like, I'm not giving you the ball. Uh, Let, let's let's just hope, Schwinn, that, again, you asked for this earlier in the pod. Let's hope Tibbs watches this tape seriously and learns something. Because to me, some of the most encouraging minutes of the game for the bench unit came at the start of the fourth quarter when they started using RJ primarily as a screener. You want quickly and RJ to be the main two guys in that unit using them together, letting them leverage each other's strengths and elevate the other. That's, that is impact. That's the thing we're talking about with RJ doing stuff without the ball in his hands. Like, you know, RJ, it, it was so, so wild how like a few possessions in a row it worked. We get Randall back in the way and that's just or Randall back in the game. And of course you're going to go to Randall some, but there was no balance. There was no like, okay, we're going to go to Randall and then we're going to go to RJ. It was just like, okay, it's Randall's time, which again is fine. I just, I wish our our offensive scheme wasn't so polarizing and wasn't so extreme. Like it's just like we're just jamming these few things that that Tibbs thinks are the best into the ground, and it's like there can be more diversity of um, scheme. Uh, but anyways, using RJ as a screener for quickly, they they immediately had a good chemistry. I quickly hit RJ with a pocket pass. RJ got back to back buckets. He got a, he got a layup, and then he got that and one both off of those actions. If they start running one three pick and roll with, I mean, even though Hart and Taj aren't exactly spacers, they're smart off the ball. They're both intelligent. They're not just going to be useless off the ball. I do think that clearing out a side and let, letting quickly and RJ run side pick and roll would be totally new and would be welcomed for that unit and would help them. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, just it needs, but enough with the Hart shit. Like, what makes Josh Hart fucking special? is not that he's some creator with the ball aside from like transition pushes. That is not like, that is not what makes him effective. That is not what makes him a special player. Like it's not what makes him a difference maker enough with that shit. It's not even necessarily what I think makes quickly a special player, but what makes quickly special is he can do that shit and then toggle to this off ball thing and do that too. And like balance the, like, like use the fucking guys that are actually good at the fucking things that they're fucking good at. Like this isn't that fucking hard. Jesus. That was a lot of fucking. It it, it <laughs> Oh, it, that was a lot of fucking. It is really fun. It is really funny that like every part of the game you talk about, it's like, oh yeah, quickly does that well. Like, you know, Josh Hart does the thing that quickly does, you know, and then it's like maybe he's just really good. maybe maybe they should they should think about that because I know Tibbs knows that like, oh, I need somebody. I need somebody to put on Anthony Black in this small lineup because there's going to be breakdowns. And if there are breakdowns, who do I want on the weakest player to help start that scramble? Oh, Emmanuel quickly. Oh, the bench unit needs a ball creator and we need to run some side pick and rolls. Who's going to be the guy running pick and roll? Oh, Emmanuel quickly. Oh, we need a spacer next to Jalen Brunt. Like all these things he's used for sometimes and it's like okay you have this guy who can fill all check all these different boxes you are mr box checker head coach just lean into that don't think so much about the fact that he's six three instead of six five just lean into the fact that he's good at all these things it'll be okay it'll be okay man let me tell you if you want to have a good time after this podcast go check out the uh comments over on the wonderful, wonderful website called 11warriors.com. 
which is an Ohio State fan board. Um, and let me tell you, this is a beautiful, beautiful sight. I've prayed for days like these. Is it 11, the numbers, or 11 spelled out? 11 spelled out. 11 spelled All out. Right. Really wonderful. Is there a specific thread we should look for? or I, I think you can just... You just go to the post game. You. To the, just, the post game just, just you know, experience it. Experience, okay. you know, you can go to all different, all different genres, you know. Ooh, two, <laughs> 200, 271 comments. This is fun. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, let's do this. Let's get out of here. All right, I think we're I was just like sleeping right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, he's got. Tomorrow. He's got to go get. The, he's got to go get that wall built tomorrow. Nice, nice and early. Rise, <laughs> rise and shine. That's right, America. <laughs> All right, we're gonna end things off here. Shout out to everyone that stayed with, up with us for two and a half hours talking Knicks and all other stuff. Um, guys will be back tomorrow. Um, Oh, me and Zach are doing playback tomorrow. Sign up for it. Uh, We will be talking and watching the game live. So uh, come join us. Um, And yeah. All right. So make sure you guys check that out. I guess you can find a link to that on Twitter, right? There's a link to that on Twitter somewhere, Schwinn? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll post a link. I think uh, it was tweeted out already today on uh, the Strickland account so you can definitely find that on there but we'll probably i mean we definitely will be tweeting out again tomorrow and uh yeah definitely uh, just keep a lookout for it uh playback tv and then you can find the room it's just the strickland so you'll find it on there and sign up and you can join us tomorrow 7 p.m for the game all right so make sure you guys check that out make sure you guys join them for that um nice segue to lead into the links in the description so make sure you guys are following us on twitter link will be in the description on youtube if you're watching there shout out to people watching both on youtube and twitter i know people are able to comment on twitter now shout out to that update or whatever it is now um but yeah um leave a like subscribe we're on our way to 1k sub still i'm still trying to reach that goal thank you guys for all your support and we will catch you guys later on today peace Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts. Yes.